What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Civ Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Civ Pop Writer Joe. Hey, everybody. Joe's back again, uh, which means we're talking about comic book movies this week. But uh, we write for SifPop.com, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. Make sure you check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with those. On today's show, we'll talk about a coming attraction. Uh, where we, by the way, uh, other you know, since we're saying check out the stuff, uh, com to keep up with those. I wrote a Star Wars piece that I am really proud of that came out um, on Star Wars Day, May the 4th, last, uh, last week. So... Um, anyway, just wanted to redirect people there in case you didn't see it on Twitter or Facebook or the site or whatever. I like my Star Wars piece. So, um, it's called <laughs> why Star Wars is more important than ever. Um, but anyway, there's your sifpop.com plug on today's show on the podcast. We're going to talk about uh, two coming attractions. Uh, it'll be dead movies this week. We'll do those who wish me dead and army of the dead two movies coming out May 14th. Uh, and then we will, well, apparently there's like five movies coming out this week. So, <laughs> Um, two of the movies coming out this week. Um, we'll uh, move on to uh, the SIF topic after that. We'll wrap up MCU Phase 3 uh, since Black Widow is supposed to be coming out around this about this time. This is what it's like, eighth release date, I think, finally. <laughs> yeah, so, something like that. <laughs> when it, when, I hope it when doesn't pushed, go into double digits. <laughs> when they pushed it back into 2021, it was supposed to be about this time. And then, of course, when they announced Premiere Access and all that, they pushed it back a little farther. So uh, we planned this out. That way we would be done with all of the MCU stuff by the time Black Widow came out so we could talk about it. But it's just not going to be the way that it works. Um, but we'll, we'll still wrap up Phase 3, and it'll be good. Um, and uh, and then w- when we're done with that, we're going to explore a B-plot, uh, just t- kind of talking about where does the MCU go from here. Um, where do you want? Where do we want to see it go, and whatnot? So, uh, and then uh, we'll get a chance to uh, um, give a quick recommend or warn from each one of us during the spinoff. But first, as always, let's get a chance uh, to reacquaint ourselves with uh, our writer this week, Joe. You've been on a couple times, so we've got to ask you the tra- traditional questions. And um, the, the I'll, I'll give you an easy one: uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Yeah, it's pretty easy for me. Uh, definitely Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars has like everything that I that Jerry love in in, in films. It's got sci-fi. It's got kind of like samurai mythos uh, with the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, And it's only been reignited by the Mandalorian. So I have to go to Star Wars. That's fair. Have you started the Bad Batch yet? Uh, I have not. I will start that soonish. Right before the podcast, we talked about it and I've been watching Jupiter's Legacy. So I'm just trying to run through that really fast so I can, you know, get into the Bad Batch. Tell you what, man, sneak preview for next week's episode where I talk about TV, but I love the Bad Batch. <laughs> it, so, it seems right in my wheelhouse, so yeah, yeah I'm, like, man. I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, Yeah, I feel like this is an easy question, Star Wars or Star Trek. Like, I feel like everybody kind of knows immediately, and you could be fans of both. I, I would consider myself fans of both, although my only Star Trek experience is the the new Kelvin timeline movies, the trilogy. Um 
haven't really veered off of that yet. Um, don't know that I really care to at this point, other than like I'll watch lower decks um, for sure. But um, but I don't care about Discovery or necessarily going back and watching Voyager. If I do anything, I'd go back and watch the Next Generation. But I don't, I don't yeah. know that I will. That's a big undertaking. <laughs> it's um, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like this is easy. Like you have one fandom or the other. I really don't. I don't know anybody who's torn Star Wars or Star Trek. Like they still have a preference. So. Um, cool. Um, well, let's keep it Star Wars related. Prequels or sequels? Uh, wow. <laughs> that's that's rough. That's a tough choice. This is such um, a tough question, right? I think as much as it pains me, like I'll have to say prequels. Okay. Because uh, I feel like there's the bones there of a good story, mm-hmm. and like they were planned out. And I actually do like Revenge of the Sith quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it, it's got some parts that are a little sticky as far as acting goes, but I think the overall story is really cool and the, the tone that it takes is um, well executed. So I have to say, prequels. Man, when I talked about Star Wars on Robert's podcast, we did so many like different categories on what it does best, and the prequels really does everything the best. Um, but my heart is still going to say the, the sequels and here's really what it comes down to. I, I love each of them for different reasons. Um, the sequels and the prequels. Um, but when you take into account force awakens, last Jedi and rise of Skywalker, in my opinion, you have an excellent movie, not, not in this order, an excellent movie, a really solid movie and a not so great movie. Um, a, pretty not great movie uh in, in my opinion again not in that order uh when you but when you look at the sequels you have a decent movie a pretty clunky movie and a really excellent kind of poorly paced movie <laughs> like so yeah it's i i love revenge of the sith i would not call it excellent um it is, it is definitely a four and a half hour movie that is rushed to to 220 so <laughs> yeah um you know. I feel like they could have spent more time putting that into a two-parter than having the uh, the initial Attack of the Clones. Like, I think Attack of the Clones is a big misfire. Like, the movie uh, kind of doesn't know what it really wants to do. Yeah, but, I mean, I'll defend, I'll defend it. I like it a little bit better than most people, but there is no arguing the clunky dialogue. Um, and a lot of the moments yeah. that really feel <laughs> cartoonish um, and uh, a lot of the moments that Look, I, I admire what Hayden Christensen did, but his best work is not Attack of the Clones. Um, people only no. look on him fondly because of Revenge of the Sith. Um, okay, uh, we'll move uh, kind of into a different um, different category. We'll do Marvel or DC. Uh, yeah, when it comes to like animated features, I would say DC. But like overall, my interests, I have to say Marvel. Uh, Captain America okay. is my favorite superhero. There there is he's like one of my favorite characters in fiction period um i I think overall i like their character designs a lot better Uh, i do agree that dc has overall better storytelling uh, Mm -hmm. but i'd have to go marvel overall just because of their films and and their comic books in my right uh, this is this is such a tough question right because it is so encapsulating right like it this isn't just like marvel versus dc is not just or is the mcu or the dceu better right or it's not just because it's who has the better comics, who has the better animated features, who has the better um, 
uh, live action features, who has the better characters, who has better heroes, who has better villains, who has the better story arcs, things like that. And so, like, oh, uh, the only thing, the only, even video games, right? The only category I think that Marvel wins is the movies. So overall, I'm going to say DC, but movies, it is a far, far separation, uh, complete <laughs> polar opposite of Marvel taking the cake. But overall, man, I really want DC to do well. And I, you know, I think there's a lot of potential there, but uh, they're doing fine and they're making money. So um, they're just making, I mean, they have, not making the best of. Yeah, they just have they have great characters. Like like you said, I, I want them to you know succeed. I want them to be on par with with Marvel in every respect. I'm not a I'm not a, you know, just a single minded kind of like fanboy about either one of them. But, you know, I want them both to succeed. Sure, sure. Um and then uh, let's talk about, uh, we'll, we'll get a little bit more specific. Uh, you have to pick uh, Christopher Nolan or Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, it is pretty tough. That's a tough choice. Um, for me, though, I'll have to go Denis Villeneuve. Uh, I'm a huge fan of a lot of his work, if not all of it. Uh, I think all of his movies are like a high eight and above the ones I've seen. Um, yeah. And 2049 you... is like one of my favorite movies. Yeah, yeah, me too, man. It's like I think Sicario is a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, so Sicario, that uh, Prisoners, presumably you've seen. Um, Arrival is great. Arrival. Have you seen Enemy? I have. Uh, that is that is a film that you should watch more than once. It, it's very <laughs> interesting. Like it's a very cool like thought exercise. Like here, here's a reason why I both love and hate that movie is uh, I it ended and I'm like, what the crap did I just watch? Um, like, I think I really liked what I watched. I just didn't know what it meant. And then so I went on YouTube and watched somebody explain the movie for 30 minutes. And I was like, okay, this movie's great. <laughs> it's really, it's really great. So, um, any of those, I, I won't say any movie that you have to make me like look up to, uh, to understand, um, it is good. Cause that's the reason why I don't like Don, Donnie Darko. Um, but, uh, man, something about just hearing somebody explain what Villeneuve was trying to do is, is special. I think I also respect the fact that he actually didn't go on record and do any type of examination himself. He's like, no, I won't have anyone talk about this film that's been a part of the film. He's like, no, just, just figure it out. Like it's more rewarding that way. And I was like, that's great. I I like, like that approach to it. Yeah, I look. Here's here, I'm gonna, I'm at a cross point here. Uh, I'm gonna my answer is gonna be Nolan by that. Regardless on whether you know, uh, let's take Dune aside. I'm more excited for whatever, whatever Villeneuve comes out with next than I am whatever Nolan comes out next. Um, but but I, I think uh, there's there's two things to me that have um, kind of a, a different um or a reason why i'd pick nolan number one is that he also writes his movies of just directs um and so i think there's something really special about that and i think can kind of help um a director if they if they're the ones that started it uh and you know nolan takes his time i think infamously inception took like eight years to write um (laughs) but uh but i also i also just think nolan has a little bit more of a range um but it's not to say i don't think Villeneuve could right because it's like uh, Arrival and um, Blade Runner 2049 are both kind of introspective um, looks at markers of our reality. So Blade Runner being identity and Arrival being time and grief. 
Um, and so uh, I, I think they're they're really excellent. But I also, this may be blasphemous to say, I I don't know that I could picture, or I, I think I could picture seven or eight other people doing Blade Runner twenty four and just as excellent. But who are those people? Well, you know, do I want them instead of Villeneuve? <laughs> absolutely not. Um, he's he's absolutely the right choice. I just uh, I I don't know if they I don't know if they could, but <laughs> um, gosh, I mean. All right, let, let's take a like you throw an Alex Garland in there. I think that could be something really special. So, you know, yeah, Xbox- if there's any way that could do it, Garland probably would be the best. I mean, if you look at Annihilation, you can kind of see how they would kind of like yeah. line up a little bit. Uh, sure. Because thematically, I think he tackles things really well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, the other thing I think about just with, I mean, just with Nolan's range, though, like you look at what he has made. Um, uh, Villeneuve's also like a pretty pretty dour guy. He does a lot of serious stuff. But you look, uh, so, I mean, Nolan does as well. But you you look at like the difference between Memento and Tenet, right? Night and day. Or you look at something as creative as Dunkirk with as little dialogue as there is. And you look at something like um, Tenet with as much dialogue as there is. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, uh, to give a different example, you know, something like as brilliant as, you know, the Batman uh, the first two Batman movies, the third thing is far from brilliant. Um, so, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, again, I'm more excited for whatever Villeneuve does next, but it's probably just because Blade Runner 2049 is way superior to Tenet to me. And, uh, you know, I just, maybe I'm a little bit of a low, even though I like Tenet. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, I don't want him to read into that and be like, I want, I do more stuff that, that people don't understand until six viewings. I, I don't want that. <laughs> um, anyway, very last question is, uh, would you rather rewatch something you've already seen or watch something for the very first time? Uh, yeah, that's another tough one. Um, I would say I have to watch something new every time. Uh, I think we, we touched upon this in the discussion that like, Imagine not being able to watch the MCU because you're right. rewatching all these older movies. So in, in that case, like keeping up with pop culture and stuff is always like a huge part of my life. So I couldn't imagine not doing that. So sure. I'd have to say like watch a new movie. Yeah, look, this is such a difficult question, but I, I think I'm going to land with you on, on something new because the way that we so we're re-recording this because the Internet failed us. But um, <laughs> But we, were, I, th- I think I remember us talking about this last time. Like, frame the question in the way of like, are you only allowed to rewatch, or only allowed to watch things you've already or uh, new things? And man, imagine ten years ago not being able to see, or I guess twelve years ago, not being able to see the MCU and what that did, or a- any of the Star Wars sequels and spinoffs, or um, not even knowing what we're missing by not having knives out in our lives. Right. Or, or arrival or blade runner 2949 for that reason. Right. Like, yeah, I would just lose my mind. If, like all these things were floating out in the world and I wasn't able to watch them. <laughs> like I would just like lose my mind. But at the same time, I, it, to me, it's just as terrible of a world, not being able to rewatch blade runner 2049 and not being able to rewatch knives out or not being able to rewatch, um, inception or memento or it, it, freaking tenant, man. <laughs> apparently yeah. this is the tenant podcast <laughs> yeah my my prime example is like not being able to rewatch 
uh, the Shawshank Redemption. Like that would just like mm. that would just destroy me. So that's that's like my favorite movie of all time. So yeah, I mean the one that would destroy me. It's it's gonna be just totally repetitive for everybody that listens weekly, but just the nice guys uh, because it's such a such a movie where every second really matters and every joke hits you differently every time you watch it. <laughs> well, it lands, it lands, but like it, you forget about all the, all the jokes um, that are scattered throughout there. I mean, sure. We remember some of the big moments, but you know, there are so many really funny moments in there that like, there's a, there's a scene where they're at the bowling alley and, and there's a, there's a little, there's a, a birthday party for one of his daughter's friends and, um, or maybe his daughter. I don't know. I can't remember, <laughs> but because uh, it's not the thing I remember about the scene, but it's the uh, he he uses an explicitive and there's this person that says, oh, you said you took the Lord's name in vain. He's like, no, I didn't, Janet. I found it very useful. In fact, Janet, and like nobody remembers that line <laughs> except for me. But that's one of the funniest things ever written uh, or like or yeah, the most to me, my favorite line of, of the movie has to be, uh, well, eh. <laughs> the one I the one I want to say is my favorite right now is is where the uh, Gosling gets drunk at Sid Shattuck's party and Russell Crowe confronts him and he's like, "Oh yeah, we, uh, what have you been doing?" He's like, "I was questioning the mermaids. What were you doing while I was working?" Like it's just <laughs> imagine not being able to revisit those moments and and pick up on the little nuggets that are placed all throughout that movie. It's just. <sighs> I don't know. I'm I'm so torn between this rewatch or original question, but oh. no, that's true. I mean, that'd be like me, like not to be able to watch like what we do in the shadows. More yeah. than it's like I'd be really upset about that. That's a that's perfect, like my go-to movie. <laughs> that's a perfect uh, movie that again for same thing. The jokes hit you differently every time, and there's so many little jokes you just forget them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think I have to err on the side of. It would pain me more never get to never getting to experience something like, um, ne- never getting to experience something like uh, the Nice Guys or Blade Runner twenty forty nine or a decent Superman movie, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a really good Superman movie. Sorry, I'll rephrase it that way. <laughs> um, you know, or like. Anyway, I'll stop there because we could talk about this for a whole podcast worth, I'm sure. <laughs> um, cool. And then I have one more uh, question for you. Uh, just kind of random out out, of, out there question. But uh, where do you not mind waiting? Like where's somebody somewhere that it's like, hey, you have to wait an hour for this. And you're like, okay. Yeah, there's another thing we touched upon last time. And I, I think I'm in that same camp where like I don't mind really waiting for my food because I want it to be made correctly. Uh, yeah. And like, especially if I'm at a restaurant, like I'm cool with just sitting there, having a few drinks, like having five or six beers, having yeah. an appetizer, as long as I'm, you know, I'm with good company. You know what I mean? I don't really, don't really mind doing so. Yeah. I mean, the food has to be the answer, like the primary answer for this, right? Like I, I get sometimes I'm, I'm in a rush, right? But then, then order pickup or, you know, take out or go to the grocery store and buy a frozen meal, right? Like, right. You know, I, <laughs> it's. I mean, in most Italian restaurants are very much like what you were talking about. You go, you sit down, and it ta- it takes a while for your food to get there. But uh, I mean, not like Olive Garden, you know, not a, not American I mean? Italian, but authentic Italian. You know? Yeah, like yeah, actual time. Yeah, it's it, it's an experience, right? Or, or like you said, you go somewhere and you sit down. Look, if I can have a couple of drinks, like I I would rather sit 
you know, let's say it's just me and my wife and one of our sets of parents. I'd rather us be sitting around a table having a couple drinks, having a good conversation as opposed to maybe sounds a little counterproductive for the movie podcast, but the four of us sitting at home staring at a screen together, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, uh, and if you're in a time crunch, like, you know, you could have planned that better. If you're like, Oh, I got to make this eight o'clock movie showing. It's like, Hey, maybe you could have, you, maybe you should have made the nine o'clock or, you know, maybe you should have gone to the movie first or <laughs> maybe you should have made better life decisions. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Maybe you should so, have made a sandwich. Uh, well, on that note, let's move on to the coming attraction. Uh, do you want to start off with the, the silly movie or the serious movie? Uh, let's go with the silly movie. All right. We'll yeah, start okay. with the silly good. movie. It's good notes. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, we'll start off talking about Army of the Dead. Uh, this is a new Zack Snyder film coming to uh, May 14th as uh, Netflix. Sorry, this is coming to Netflix May 21st, but is hitting select theaters May 14th. So kind of a trick that we're doing it this week because uh, they only announced this like two weeks ago that it was going to be pushed back a week for Netflix releases. Um, that kind of put everybody off guard. But um, but yeah, this is... Uh, this will be hitting Netflix for everybody May 21st and we'll be hitting um, select theaters on May 14th this Friday. Um, this is a, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I, this is a like pseudo sequel to Dawn of the Dead. Like this is supposed to be the same universe movie, but I don't think it's supposed to intersect events at all. It looks like a spiritual kind of sequel kind of, kind of movie. Okay. Um, from what I see in the trailer, like I, I haven't done a ton of research on this movie at all. Uh, sure. But... Yeah. I mean, neither have I, I just, somebody, I, I think I heard this movie was just supposed to be a, um, again, kind of in the same universe as Dawn of the Dead, but no characters in, intersecting or anything like that. Right. I mean, it seems about right too. I mean, even the, the original dead series, like everything's kind of intertwined, but the, there's not character crossover. Um, it's supposed to take place in the same world. So, you know, maybe Snyder's created his own kind of dead universe at this point. Sure. Cool. Well, uh, you've, you've, before we get too much into this, um, we can, uh, give our, our anticipation levels. So, uh, Joe, uh, let's, let's, again, this is going to be theatrical before it's Netflix. Um, but let's say it's not going to hit Netflix for a while down the line, you know, like a, like a, you know, uh, Maybe I should start saying like a traditional release, right? Because it feels like that's the way of old. You know, a movie releases in theaters, wait four months, it comes out on Blu-ray, wait four months, and it comes out on Netflix. Um, so it's a traditional movie experience. Um, how how do you feel about this movie uh, kind of before it comes out? Will you Do you think you'd catch it opening weekend, wait for a discount night, wait till you can rent it at home, uh, wait till it's on the streaming service you already pay for, or are you just not interested in seeing this movie? I think since it's going to be on netflix uh, i think it's a week after release mm-hmm. um, i think i could wait to watch it streaming it's not that it looks bad it actually looks entertaining um it looks well shot it, it looks really polished and i and uh i really i really love uh dave batista and what he's been doing with his career and like slowly building up his acting chops um mm-hmm. he's taking some really cool key roles um especially uh as uh, sapper in 2049 even though a small role very pivotal um yeah but no it, it looks it looks it looks pretty good um uh, you know, it's going to be a fun time. It doesn't look like a great movie by any standards. Um, if, it, if it's even as half as good as Dawn of the Dead, I mean, that's a win. Uh, so, well, all right, that's that's maybe a good thing uh, to to kind of talk about then for a second. I I think I'm going to rent this at home. 
Um, but again, depending on how it's perceived as it comes out, this could this could go either end of the scale um, to either streaming or or matinee and make me see it quicker. Uh, you but because this is hitting Netflix a week after release, like I'll I'll be fine. I'll check it out May fourteenth and be happy. Um, but we kind of talking about Dawn of the Dead. Like I really love Dawn of the Dead. Um, maybe it's been a while since I've seen it. I'm due for a rewatch, but maybe it's my favorite Snyder movie. So whatever that's it's, worth. It's a no. I mean, it's a fair assessment. I mean, it's 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 up there. Um, plus, like James Gunn wrote the script, so it's got a it's got a nice script too. Okay, so that's, that definitely that's, helped. That definitely helps the movie a lot. That's <laughs> the point that I wanted to get to too, because uh, like and like maybe Watchmen might be my favorite Snyder. Um, but I don't know. There's like ten minutes of that movie I hate. <laughs> there's a whole <laughs> yeah, subplot to that of movie I hate. Yeah. Um, okay, so that that's the thing about this though, right? Is Snyder's just directing both, uh, or the uh, he just directed Dawn of the Dead. Um, he. I don't. I think he don't didn't have any sort of writing credits on it, um, but he does Correct. for this one with a couple other people. Um, take that into account. But he does on this one, and it's like, you, know, how much of Dawn of the Dead is great because it was Zack Snyder directed, and how much of Dawn of the Dead is great because it was based off a of James Gunn screenplay. And James Gunn wasn't like a huge name at the time, right? He had pretty much mm-hmm. just written Scooby Doo, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Um, or maybe, yeah, I think Scooby-Doo and, uh, um, who knows when this one was, it was James Gunn solely on, on Dawn of the Dead, of course, based off of George A. Romero's screenplay. So yeah. I don't know how much of that movie's greatness is Romero's influence or Gunn's, Gunn's screenplay and Snyder just is the thing that brings it all together. I think it's kind of a perfect storm as far as, as far as things aligning. Cause like visually it looks good too. Uh, sure. The action sequences are well shot. So like the dialogue is really entertaining. Like I said, it has a lot of things working for it. Plus it's in a universe that's already somewhat established, but he just like kind of tweaked it. So that's fair. I think it's, I think it's all hands on deck type of deal. So I'll, I'll I'll give, I'll give Snyder some credit for sure. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, I I think I only have two more things to say about this movie. One, uh, one is a note that I mentioned that I totally forgot. And I wrote written down last (laughs) time we recorded, Uh, but I want to start here. I think this is going to be a stupid movie. I love. Like that's that's kind of the way. If I could describe how I think I'm gonna feel about this movie, one second, I think this is gonna be like a go-to uh, comfort movie. Uh, I do. I love zombie movies. Uh, zombie Land is my favorite zombie movie by far. Um, but I, I really love uh, zombie movies, and I really love um, the um, especially when they're done well. I mean, there's a, so many terrible zombie movies. Um, but I. Um, so like I'm already inclined. I'm interested. I love zombie video games, um, Dead Rising, um, and uh, um, this movie looks like Dead Rising. Is, it does. It yeah, does. It, that's what's kind of like in its favor as well because I love Dead Rising. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll say Dead Rising, Left for Dead would be the standouts for me for favorite right. zombie video games, and um, you know, so I'm already interested in the subject matter and like man, pulling off a bank ho- or a, a casino heist during a zombie apocalypse. Or zombie outbreak, like that, that kind of just sounds like a lot of dumb fun. That sounds like that. That sounds like. Uh, all right, th- here, maybe here's a good example, like Fast and Furious Five, right? Like a franchise that I couldn't care less about makes an amazing movie. That's kind of smart, but just a lot of fun. Like I, I feel like this is going to be kind of like Fast and Furious Five. 
except without all the you know pre-existing franchise I don't care about thing. <laughs> but you know, just just like a oh, that was really surprising. I had a good time. I'll check that out again. Yeah. You also got to make note of uh, there. There was one note or one thing you said last time that was just hilarious. Yeah, here we go. You mentioned uh, you mentioned <laughs> the different types of zombies that were there and how it's not just a regular zombie, but at one point a zombie tiger appears. And I wrote down that zombie <laughs> tiger is the most Zack Snyder thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and we talked about it before the podcast. Uh, he couldn't be outdone by the Italians in uh, the first zombie movie because uh, they have a zombie <laughs> shark in that movie that somebody fights off. So Yeah. Snyder's like, you're not going to one-up me here. Zombie tiger <laughs> in Vegas. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, it wouldn't make sense for a shark to be in Vegas, and you know, unless he's in an aquatic <laughs> casino, I guess. Anyway, but yeah, zombie, <laughs> zombie tiger, man, that is uh, that is Zack Snyder's career in a nutshell. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like I, like I feel like I'm ragging on him a lot, um, and and I don't mean to because I think, uh, you know, like we've expressed during the 300 episode, I think there's there's something unique about the way he does things, and I want to like his stuff more. It's just to me, he he lacks the narrative aspects of things. He lacks the the character aspects of things. Um, he he assumes a lot of what we fill in the gaps for, um, and um, expects us to just kind of roll with mediocrity some of the times in exchange for that, or you know, fifteen seconds of a three second shot. So, right. and sometimes that's a sesame seed, but. Um, but we, we've <laughs> both been on record saying he's he's an incredible visual filmmaker. Um, he's just maybe not the strongest at story. So um, I would be more excited for this movie. I would definitely be in that uh, um, in that uh, probably bordering opening weekend versus uh, matinee. If um, the, I would be an opening weekend if James Gunn's name was attached to the screenplay. Um, I would oh, for be, sure. I'd probably, just be there. Yeah, I would just show. Yeah, up. <laughs> I would be. I would be. Um, uh, it probably closer to like uh, discount night if it was pretty much anybody else's name. But be, Snyder's screenplay is the biggest knock for me on this. Yeah. So, uh, do you have any other things to say before we move on? Any other notes about it? No, it just looks like a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, you covered it. I, I love zombie films as well one of my favorite zombie films is the original dawn of the dead mm-hmm. uh, I, I love that whole, that entire trilogy uh, i love train of busan i love i mean Shaun of the dead is probably one of my favorite zombie movies of all time top five zombie films so yeah yeah, yeah i'm like huge into the genre it looks like a lot of fun uh, it looks like a well kind of colorful built world and in, in vegas so i'm down for it yeah Man, what's it with what's it with uh, movies trying to do Vegas all of a sudden? Recently, I, I guess I don't know. Is it is it is it has it always been there? Or I mean, I'm thinking of like Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, like just kind of throwing in Vegas there when it really didn't need to be. Like, I think I think Vegas has always been there. It's always like a you know they got all the neon lights. You know, it's it's a it's a great place to kind of shoot. Uh, and then you sure. also have people. You know, it's kind of like vacation time at the same time. So always a lot of movies and things that tie into. Vegas. Yeah, I mean, it's man, it's such a photogenic city too, so you can't it take is. that away from me. Cool. Well, um, let's move on to the other dead movie this week, uh, and that is Those Who Wish Me Dead. This is the new Taylor Sheridan movie, um, starring Angelina Jolie, Nicholas Holt, uh, and Finn Little um, being the the three uh, main stars. And John John Bernthal, Aiden Gillian, Tyler Perry, 
also also being thrown in there. I'm going by IMDb listings, not by what I'm thinking. Um, so, uh, all right, let's do it, Joe. Same scale. What where do you think you land on this? Yeah, I think for me, I'm gonna have to go opening weekend. Um, I really love uh, Taylor Sheridan's work. I'd say it's it's way more hit than miss uh, for me, especially his writing. Uh, yeah. I, I love Wind River. That movie tore my heart out. Uh, it's kind of a once once every maybe every other year movie for me <laughs> at this point. Okay. Uh, I I love Sicario. I think Sicario is a masterpiece. Scarlet Day of the Salado was was fine. I think it's for me. It, it's his only kind of like black mark, but it's still a good movie. Um, I disagree with that. But uh, yeah, it's it's it, it's a fine movie. Uh, but but overall, I really enjoy his work. I think he's super talented. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it does seem a little bit cheesy at times, as far as the trailer, the way it's set up. Uh, but I got faith in him to to produce something worth quality. So. Yeah, I mean, look, here, here's the deal. His name alone is getting me into the rent at home. Um, but realistically, I, I don't super care about this movie at all. Like, maybe streaming service I already pay for, or maybe just not interested. Um, I, and that, that pains me to say. It's just, uh, but his but his name is enough to elevate this to a, um, uh, to a rent for me. I just, something about this just isn't really hitting right. Um, something about um, everything I've seen so far, based off the trailer, based off the casting, uh, based off the the writing, uh, the 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 people that they've assembled to make this movie. Because I, I totally agree with you. Uh, Sheridan has been amazing, specifically in the writing side. Uh, I mean, Sicario being an ex- excellent movie, Hell or High Water being probably my favorite by him. Yeah, definitely my favorite by him. Uh, Wind River being great and a really well directorial debut. I mean, he did. Uh, a movie called vile in 2011 but like this this really was a big deal when he made wind river um like this is where i disagree with you i really like sicario day of the soldado um i haven't seen it since theaters but i remember loving it um it's definitely not as good as the first one but i really like it um and i've heard i've heard great things about but i have not seen yellowstone so um, same i need to i need to actually uh start watching that it seems like something I mean, in my wheelhouse. Look, when you start watching it, let me know if I should, because I'm I'm not necessarily sold on should I watch it, yes or no. But I, if I hear one person I actually know watching that show, that is like, holy cow, this is amazing. Then that, then I'll check it out. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and then also uh, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, which I talked about on the podcast last week. And look, I'm not gonna give him crap for this. Um, and it's pretty much, from my understanding. He had, he modernized a '90s screenplay with without changing story elements, so everything about that movie feels not Taylor Sheridan. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go ahead and give him give him that. And that movie is mediocrity at its finest. So um, <laughs> that's that's maybe the best. Way I, to I've been avoiding it too because like I've heard nothing but really kind of mediocre things about it, and it pains me because I love Michael B. Jordan. All right, he, all right, here's here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, story elements, um, plot points, uh, things like that, as run of the mill as you get. Um, Michael B. Jordan has an excellent performance. Uh, the director for so, uh, Sicario Two directed this. I think there's some really well done action scenes, specifically uh, one of them that's an interrogation scene in a car, and one of them that is a standoff. Um, 
there's some those two are worth watching the movie alone. So give it give it a shot. It's not, there's nothing you can do. It's, or there's you if you already pay for Prime, then you already have it. So yeah, yeah. might as well just give it a shot. Yeah, you could you could spend a worse two hours. Uh, Definitely. But, <laughs> but I don't, dude, this is the first this is the first movie. There's those who wish me dead that I'm kind of not really excited about ever since you know Heller High Water because after Sakar and Heller High Water and. I, I personally don't think he has a black mark on his record just yet. Um, but it should be worth noting. This is also hitting HBO max um, the same day as theaters. So May 14th, this coming Friday uh, that, that gives us a slight edge. Um, I'll probably just see kind of where, where things are leaning, but I was thinking about this the other day, man, like the, the HBO max theater at home stuff has had a bad track record so far. Like you have one really good movie in there and that's Judas and the black Messiah. But, Kicking it off with Wonder Woman 1984, and then the Little <laughs> Things, and Tom and Jerry, and um, uh, uh, Godzilla vs Kong, which is kind of underwhelming, and uh, uh, Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Kombat. Like they don't have the best track record so far, and Mortal Kombat. They should just called it Kano the movie because he's literally the, the only <laughs> awesome part about it, except for the opening. The opening's pretty pretty detailed too, but kind of yeah, that. yeah. So. But anyway, like their track record's not track record's not great. But also, we're talking January, February, March releases. Like typically, not great movies in the first place. But again, Judas the Black Messiah being an absolute standout as as excellent. I just um, uh, with this uh, with this coming to HBO Max, it'll probably give me a little bit. But this, this is also interesting. This is the first. There are three screenplay writers on this movie, so I wonder if this was a dead project for a while and Sheridan revived it. Or, or what the history is with this, but I, I kind of want all Sheridan and nobody, nobody else, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, isn't me that too. Is, isn't that the ideal com- combination? Like, look when I when I have Christopher Nolan, I kind of want a Jonathan Nolan attached, and when I have, um, you know, uh, Chris Marcus, I want my Steve Stephen McFeely attached. When I have when I have Chris Miller, I want Phil Lord attached. Like, you know, it's when I have Joel Cohen, I want Ethan Co- Ethan Cohen. I, it's just. It, kind of want somebody else but he, he um uh sheridan is the man he's the 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 one person that i'm like i don't want anybody with him i just want him to do his thing yeah i'm totally fine with him just kind of handling the writing and the directing because he's he's shown that he's really good and really ver- well versed at doing both so yeah. The the less the less the merrier. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, less is more. How about that? Less is more. Yeah, less, less is, is more. more. When it comes to Taylor Sheridan, less is more. Um, but not in terms of story elements. Just in terms of of who all gets to gets to play in his world. So, um, yeah, like you said, Hell or High Water is like probably the best neo western, you know, that I could think of. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's up there for sure. Um, <laughs> Well, and so so taking a look outside of that, um, let's see. Angelina Jolie is pretty hit or miss, right? Like, I think she's maybe a little overrated just because she's so incredibly attractive. Like, has there any has there ever been anything you watched her in that you're just like, wow? And like, actually, like she's an incredible actress there. Uh, probably Girl Interrupted. I mean, I'm, but that's that's that, so. that's way far back, and I mean, she won an Academy Award for it, so. Um, I'd say Girl Interrupted. I think she's a good emotional um, actor. I think it, it, she reads really well, um, like a sure. Jordan Collector and other films I've seen her in. Um, but but maybe, I, maybe accents, is... yeah, don't make her do an accent. She's not the best <laughs> at it. 
Well, I'm thinking maybe, maybe this is me just just kind of being like, uh, I, I, not she's been out of the spotlight for a while, um, because she's yeah. been raising raising kids and and like like more power to her total total respect, um, but I mean. Let's see. Um, really, the only things recently, like when I think of her, I forgot about Maleficent, but uh, that's one of my wife's favorite movies because she just loves that character so much. But I, I think more when I think of Angelina Jolie, I think of Salt and Wanted and Mr. and Mrs. Smith because, I mean, that was kind of the era that I was was growing up in. And so that was mm-hmm. really like she was huge then. It was there wasn't necessarily the, um, you know, I. Even hackers came out the year before. I've seen hackers. I like. I really like hackers. It's just. I don't know that she is the reason that movie is good, right? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, the movie. That's just kind of a pop culture thing. I, I anyway, I feel, like took off feel, after the fact. <laughs> I feel like we have said she's an A-list actor. She's a very recognizable name, and I, I, I don't, I'm just not convinced. Uh, Nicholas Holt, on the other hand, I think is well worth everything people say about him. Um, he's he's great. He's he's the best part of the X Men. Uh, no, unfortunately not, because uh, Mac- McAvoy and Fassbender just so good in the in, in the X Men prequels. But and Evan Peters as well. But um, but he he's excellent as Beast. Um, John Bernthal's. Uh, how do, how do you feel about John Bernthal? Uh, I actually really like John Bernthal. I feel I feel like if you give him the right role and the roles he's been taking have been really spot on. Uh, I can't see anybody else playing the Punisher. Maybe maybe Frank Grillo playing yeah. the Punisher. That's like the yeah. only replacement I'd see, but he's just so pitch perfect. Uh, I think he's great at invoking emotion, uh, especially yelling. Like there's no, there's no <laughs> other more primal scream than That's John fair. Bernthal yelling. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he handles action incredibly well. He looks good while he does it. Um, he's yeah. got a really unique kind of rugged look to him. Uh, I, I'm I'm a fan. I, I don't think he's the most versatile actor in the world, but you give him the right role, he's he's crushing it. Yeah, I, I think that's a good category. You put him in the right situation, and, and you're going to succeed. I think uh, uh, I I really loved him in the Daredevil season of of uh, where he was Punisher, and Punisher season two, season one didn't really do much for me, except no. for one episode that was breathtaking, but. Uh, and th- and then you know Tyler Perry, who in in my book is a, is a miss except for Gone Girl. I remember we talked about that last time. I don't, I can't think of anything else he's been in that I liked. yeah. I, I, I brought that up last time. I was like, but there's Gone Girl. It was like the one example that we could think of. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then and then you got Aiden Gillen, uh, good old Littlefinger, and uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but from The Wire, and uh, so he played he, he plays <laughs> the, he plays those two characters and. We shouldn't really expect much more of him. I, I he was want. In Beat Street. I want he played him. the dad in Beat Street. He did that. <laughs> I haven't seen Beat Street. So. Well, there you go. Sorry. <laughs> That's, That's all I got. Spoiler. Is that a spoiler? <laughs> he plays the dad. <laughs> he's he's the dad, and he's. I mean, he's not an antagonist. Not really. Yeah. Trouble, but. So yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like we get one of those two, and like I, I just feel I want to see him do others, but people cast him. He, he's just like Guy Pierce at this point, right? People cast him because they want that like likable villain right they want that like didn't see it coming but because everybody casts them as didn't see it coming villain you see it coming from you always a see it away. coming like maze runner right. as soon as i saw maze runner i was like man that guy's the bad guy and he was the man, bad guy <laughs> I, I mean i guess spoiler for without remorse but <laughs> yeah you know as soon as you see his face like he's bad <laughs> yeah that's not even a spoiler at that point it's like <laughs> are you not are you do, do you not have two eyes <laughs> have you never seen a movie yeah do you have two years um, yes look even in memento he's the bad guy he's not the bad he's a bad guy you know he's 
Certainly. Yeah. Certainly a bad guy, but yeah, he's a bad guy. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I don't. There's just something about this that just the pieces aren't falling for me, um, and I, and that's a shame because I want to be excited about Sheard and stuff. But that's where I'm gonna land. Yeah, I'll, check this, fair, I'll check this. Got fair reasons though, so there you go. Yeah, I'll I'll check it out again. Just kind of depending on where uh, where people are gonna be, what people are gonna be saying about it. So. Cool. Well, uh, man, we still have all the MCU Phase 3 to talk about, so uh, and we're already 45 minutes into this thing, so <laughs> let's do it. I feel like this will be good because since we've already had this conversation, uh, this will be good. So uh, the scale is like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, think it's just okay. We'll do this for each movie. We'll talk briefly about them. Uh, and, but And here's the thing that we kept on saying when we recorded the first time. What more can we say about these movies, right? So, um, so we'll, uh, we'll, just, we'll give our thoughts and we'll, we'll have fun with it. That's the important thing, right? Yep. Cool. Okay. Let's start off with Civil War then. Joe, what are you feeling? Like it, love it, hate it, just like it, think it's just okay. Yeah, just a, uh, just a little spoiler here. Uh, I pretty much either really like or love just about everything about Phase 3. Um, I think this is when they really hit their stride and they started really delving into the subgenre aspects of, of their films, give them a little bit more substance. Um, yeah, and for Captain America Civil War, yeah, I absolutely love it. Uh, I'm a huge Captain America fan. <clears throat> I mean, if you can see my room, there's just toys everywhere. Most of them are Captain America. Um, yeah, I think overall the movie has generally a really great pacing to it. Um, it's uh, another phenomenal score by Henry Jackman after coming off of uh, The Winter Soldier. Uh, it's well-directed. It, I think it's even uh, more or far superior as far as fight choreography and set pieces go than the winter soldier in, in some respects, as far as group fighting goes. Um, Cause they got the, the fight choreographer or one of the uh, fight choreographers from uh, John wick. So it works really well. Uh, yep. Bozeman is black Panther is fantastic. Uh, it's a, a beautiful introduction. Uh, Holland proves here that he is, he is great as Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. It's such a, a great introduction to the character. And just overall, this is just a, a, a joy to watch uh, until it's not a joy to watch at the end. You know, it makes you, it punches you right in the chest. Uh, yeah. You know, if you're a fan of these, if you're a fan of oh. these two Titans, you know, squaring up against one another. But, but yeah, I just, I love this movie. Yeah. Um, I'm going to land with you. I'm in love. It. I'm in, to me. Uh, and I, and I think I've said this in the past episodes, there are three um, tiers of, uh, of MCU movies. There are just excellent. Um, there is pretty to really good, and there is very mediocre, um, or you know, not good. Uh, like it's it's it. I, I don't know. Like there there are three distinct tiers um, to me of this is one of the best comic book movies of all time. To this is a great comic book movie. To this is a movie. Um, and uh, this is absolutely in that top tier. Um, I think when this movie came out, it, probably I didn't say it, um, but it probably was my favorite MCU movie. Um, looking back, I, I think it's like four or five. Um, I'll stick. I'll still take a couple over over that, and we'll we'll give our ranking here at the end of, of all the MCU um, up to Avengers Endgame uh, at the end of this. But um, yeah, look and and. Here's the thing that we didn't talk about last time that I definitely want to talk about this time is that I love when a movie is able to make me or when a movie's whole premise is to show here's one side versus another side. And 
my when it comes to the final battle, when it comes to the final here's a big head, um that it's not um it's not I really want this side to win or I'm going to be mad if this side doesn't win. It's really I understand where both people are coming from and I I'm having a hard time picking sides. I think I could side with Tony or Cap based on the day. Um because it's such a compelling case brought on both sides because there is the whole Captain America side being well, we shouldn't be limited. We shouldn't be told when we could go. Our job is to help people. Let's help people. But then you have people like Tony who are so personally affected by, yes, but us helping people also endangers a lot of others. And it's like both good points. And I'm I'm torn. So I think the way the movie's framed and the way that we're supposed to perceive it, I do think probably I lean more cap as in the right most of the time. But there's a genuine conflicting nature to that's going on inside me every single time yeah it's it's not like that for me but i i get it at least they try to 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 give you perspective on both sides where i do do feel like the movie itself is is heavily skewed towards towards cap side in a lot of ways just the way that the Mm -hmm. movie is kind of like it's through his perspective he's being you know they're being hunted down and like i mean there's a reason this is captain america civil war not Avengers 2.5. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, um, I think the other thing I want to, uh, the other thing I want to say about this that I know we didn't talk about is, um, I, I have come to appreciate this movie the farther and farther we get away from it for one specific reason. And that is that we have time and time again, seen movies where it's this entity or group versus this entity or group. And it's marketed as that, right? Uh, most recently, the two bis- biggest examples are Batman versus Superman and Godzilla versus Kong. And as soon as they announce it, you know, all right, what's going to happen is there's going to be conflict. They're going to duke it out in the middle of their conflict. There's going to be a bigger conflict, and they're going to realize that they were on the same side all along, and that they're going to team up to take that down. And guess what? I just spoiled Godzilla versus Kong and Batman versus Superman for you. And look, sure, there's a lot more <laughs> complex things going on in both those movies, specifically Batman versus Superman Ultimate Cut. But that's essentially what it boils down to. And I, I, I really appreciate the way that Civil War handles this. We know we're going to get Iron Man versus Cap at some point. But there is no resolution to this movie. And neither side has won. And this isn't, I mean, there, you could make the argument that there's, they team up to fight a common enemy, which, you know, Zemo is a common enemy, but Zemo kills all the super soldiers. His goal was to make Iron Man fight Captain America. And guess what? That's the final scene. We, uh, that's the final fight we get is I, Captain America and Bucky versus Iron Man. And I, I have so come to appreciate that that's the route this movie chooses to go. Um, especially in the wake of so many, so many things that we see just fall to formula. Um, and kind of on the opposite, this, uh, this movie does one thing very not formulaic and this movie feels the most straight out of a comic book for the MCU. Do you think that that's probably right? Yeah, I'd have to say so. Cause they, they're even replicating certain panels. I mean, if, right. you, if you if you break down certain segments of the airport scene, especially when they play the really triumphant music and you they kind of like pan through each one of the shots, it feels like a huge yeah. splash page from a comic book. 
Like it's supposed yeah. to be really verbose and like, and uh, very action oriented in comparison to some of the smaller stories that they tell. Uh, well, and like the MCU has been pretty good about being like paying homage to the comic books and respecting them, but also understanding it's their own thing. And DC is, is getting that way and has done some really cool things in there. But this, you know, um, th- this, there's specifically one panel that I had the same reaction, you know, when you watch Watchmen and there's uh there's the, the comedian's uh, funeral scene and it's like, Holy crap, this is frame by frame for the comic. Uh, and there's uh there's the scene with uh, where Iron Man and Cap and it goes slow-mo for about three seconds. Maybe, maybe, maybe Marvel pulled in Zack Snyder for one scene. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, because it would have uh, been 15 it, seconds in. It was only three seconds. But it was uh but it was uh it slowed down a little bit and you just see um uh Iron Man strike Captain's Cap Cap Shield and it just looks straight out of the comic book and it's maybe one of the most beautiful images in the MCU. I don't know. So that's uh that's where I'll land on that. Um but I think that's kind of the three biggest things I wanted to bring up when talking about Civil War this time. No, I mean that those are great things to bring out. Uh yeah, and plus like I know some people are like, oh Zemo's plan, it's ridiculous. I'm like, well, Zemo's kind of a, a meticulous and ridiculous type person in the comic books, but I feel like I, I I follow his plan a lot more. Like I guess like a lot of people like to compare it to uh you know Lex Luthor in BBS yeah. where his plan is like nonsensical. Uh but yeah, I feel like his plan like falls into place and he had several contingencies. Uh, put in place and uh, well yeah it just really right. worked for me plus I just love the way he just like dissected these people and tore them apart from the inside like he's it, literally the only person to ever beat the Avengers prior to you know prior to the <laughs> alright here's here's my thoughts on on the whole thing um, this is a plan that when you think of a timeline there's just not enough time to assemble this plan from Sokovia to Civil War um, there's just not enough time passed. It's overcomplicated and all that, but at the same time, I appreciate the way that it's set up, and I appreciate that they're going for something a little different. I appreciate that the villain's endgame is to pit um, good versus good, um, or bad versus bad, whatever your perspective is on, on Civil War, uh, but to pit them against one another and um, uh, to to do so in a way that also doesn't mean he's getting directly involved. I mean, he's sitting outside listening to the last voicemail. His wife leaves him um, while the, while the big climax is going on. And uh, um, I, uh, it's one of the, to me, it's one of those, if you think about it too much, sure it falls apart, but I appreciate them trying something. And did you not know what movie you were getting into? Did you not know <laughs> you were heading into a superhero movie? So that's, that's where I'll, that's what I'll say about that. So. Yeah. Totally makes sense. I mean, but that, like you said, that's with any type of movie when you really deeply think about, you know, the exact timing and moments that these things need to take place, then, you know, it kind of, it kind of falls apart a little bit, even with the most solid writing you could think of. So sure. I like, I like when people shoot their shot. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Well, uh, let's move on to Doctor Strange then. Um, and uh, same scale. What do you think about this movie? Uh, Doctor Strange, I I really like it. Uh, I'd say like a high eight. Uh, I usually yeah. go between a high eight and like a low, a low nine. 
Uh, I think Benedict Cumberbatch is, is perfect for the role. Um, I know that they wanted Joaquin Phoenix at first, um, but I think I think that Benedict Cumberbatch is kind of melted into Doctor Strange. I can't see anybody else playing him at this given uh, point in time. Man, it's uh, it's hard because when they were talking about casting Joaquin, and, and it came down to Joaquin and Benedict Cumberbatch, you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, these are two great picks. These are two awesome picks. But now looking back, it's like, I couldn't see Joaquin Phoenix playing this role. Yeah, It'd be terrible. Also, I don't think, like, I mean, even if he could drop the weight, I feel like face shape and overall body uh, composition, doc, like, Benedict Cumberbatch looks looks the part. I mean, he looks sure, like if Doctor want, Strange. If you want to talk <laughs> looks, that sure, definitely. But but I'm not talking looks aside. I'm talking mannerisms, and I'm talking like the 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 snarkiness and all that. And, and like there, there's an element of him. And we I know we talked about this, and it's definitely one of the things I'll talk about. But this this movie is is just Iron Man remade ten years later, um, and the way they set up Doctor Strange is Tony yeah. Stark, um, but. Like I I don't know it's it's I I can't see Joaquin playing this role and it it just goes to show I mean can you see anybody else playing Iron Man at this point um, well, remember uh, that no. <laughs> remember, remember that Tom Cruise was originally rumored to be like they were in conversation with Tom Cruise to be Iron Man or like yeah. you know uh, <laughs> think uh, or, or like um, gosh I think Emily Blunt was supposed to be somebody that I can't remember that. Emily Blunt was supposed to, to be uh, Black, Black Widow. Widow. Yeah. No, all right, that's one I can't see. I think I think she'd kill it as Black Widow, but I, I think she uh, would. But you know, there's there's just something to be had with Scarlett Johansson and the way she yeah. delivers like deadpan, like humor and just you know just just overall that character. I just see her as. But yeah, I definitely agree. Especially um, Emily Blunt after uh, you know lived after watching Live Die Repeat, like she's phenomenal in that movie. You're like, oh yeah, oh, she yeah. could totally be a kick ass like action hero, like big time. Uh, but, but I don't know. But yeah. It just goes to show you that MCU really knows what they're casting, and they really know how they want to play that out. And it, it hindsight has only made things look better. Um, the only yeah. hi, the only casting choice that's not made look thing, things look better is Idris Elba's Heimdall. But it's only because Marvel is severely underusing Heimdall or Idris Elba, and uh, we've known that since 2011. So <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that's a crime that the MCU has committed. That's, <laughs> That, that's about it. That's about it. Uh, yeah. But um, uh, I think I'm in. This is the very tippy top of that middle tier for me. I think I really like this movie. I'm, I'm maybe low side of loved it. Um, I think there's so many great things about this movie. Um, there is uh, um, it, the standout to this movie visibly is uh Benedict Cumberbatch is Doctor Strange, but I think we need to give just as much, if not more, credit to Scott Derrickson. Um what he crafted, uh he was he was the perfect choice. Um him and uh him and his writing partner, C. Robert Cargill, the perfect choice to write this movie. Um and uh and Scott being a perfect choice to direct this movie. I'm very saddened he won't do uh he won't be coming for Doctor Strange too. But yeah um, I have uh Maybe maybe hope that he'll he'll get involved in something else again. Because um, I don't think he left on bad terms. I think he was just like, it's, it's just not quite what I want to do. And they were like, okay, we'll get Sam Raimi. And uh, yeah, I have some creative I, I, difference. And I don't know. I'm not a Hollywood insider, but like, I don't. I still have hope that maybe we'll get to see. You know, maybe maybe Derrickson will come back for Doctor Strange three and get to get to tell like a really dark story. And I'm here for it. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, he like. <clears throat> like like what you said, the direction was perfect. I I think hiring somebody who's 
really burst in horror definitely helps with Doctor Strange and handling those more mystic elements. Um, I think the world building was really superb. That's probably one of the stronger points of the movie. Like pretty much unveiling to you the entire like multiverse and different realms, which yeah. is like beautifully done visually. And uh, they got robbed at the Oscars. Like that should have won that year. Oh, I think it yeah. was 2016. Yep. Um, yeah, they, I mean, first man, I get it. You're replicating space, something that's really established. Like but the, the amount of creativity that went into Doctor Strange in just a couple sequences alone is already like, you know, was mind bending, especially like the sequence when he's brought through the different multiverses and, and the, uh, the, the ancient one, it kind of breaks down where he is and kind of gives him the kind of clip notes version of how the universe works. Like that sequence alone is just like worth the price of admission. Like that in 3d oh, yeah. is like amazing looking. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, I just had a thought. Um, Man, how would you feel about Scott Derrickson bringing the X Men to the MCU? Be great, because like oh, X Men is kind of dark too. Like just overall, like <laughs> all right. It, it, so here's the thing: if the, when they bring in X Men in the MCU, they have to do something different, right? They they have to do something to establish it as this is a different X Men. I think the the absolute way that you do that is on. And honestly, look, I think that the New Mutants movie is okay, but I thought I thought it was pretty good. I, th- I thought it was okay. Yeah. Man, shelve that movie or completely forget about it and, and introduce it that way. Give us some young mutants who are being controlled you know, in, in the same way that there's that Deadpool 2 um, facility. Like, bring, introduce it that way. Give us a horror director like Scott Derrickson. Man, I, oh, that's how you do it. Um, that's, how you, that's how you make it interesting. And it t- All right, so this, this is the, the other note I want to make about Doctor Strange is that just that uh, – and, uh, and this will be the last thing I'll say about it, but it's uh, – um, Every time the MCU has the potential to start getting stale, it does something incredibly cool. So every time, all right, we got a bunch of these solo stories. Now you get Avengers. And then, oh, okay, well, now we've still just gotten a bunch of superhero stories. Boom, now you get the Guardians of the Galaxy. And, and you introduce space into all that. And then, and then you come up and, you, and then you introduce AI in Age of Ultron. And then it's like, all right, well, now you get hero versus hero in Civil War. And then, boom, out of nowhere, like... Boop, now magic's the thing in the MCU. And the yeah. repercussions of what that means is just endless. So every time the MCU maybe starts to get a little stale, like, ah, oh, now we got a second Avengers movie. What can they really do next? It's like they can introduce magic and like the, all the things that they're doing here coming up with uh, introducing the Eternals. And I think I think it's um, – I, I, my wife showed me an article the other day that MCU the MCU has officially decanonized Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, and the Inhumans, and the Runaways. So all the like TV properties that aren't on oh, Disney wow. Plus are officially decanonized. Man, go back and do Inhumans right this time. Right? <laughs> so, and by the way, I'm very against them uh, decanonizing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because I'm a big fan of that show. Um, yeah, but anyway, just, yeah. just every every time that the, uh, that the MCU starts to feel a little stale, they do something really cool like this. Or they, you know, they hire a horror director to make something this cool, you know. Or, yeah. Um, you know, same same thing. Like when they when they um, uh, hired Taika Waititi to do uh, Thor Ragnarok, or you know, um, you could you could say same thing about Black Panther. You know, given I mean, Ryan Coogler was not a you know a surprise choice or anything like that, but it's just like a cool. Now we're gonna get some you know representation and. 
it was it was uh i think it was the perfect choice if i had to as far as director uh, as far as uh, director selection yeah in that case yeah for sure um I, I i guess i'll just praise him one more time man there is a scott derrickson is a sneakily great twitter follow so um <laughs> if you're looking for a new twitter follow uh would 100 recommend you give him a follow um that uh let's move on to guardians of the galaxy 2 how do you feel about this movie uh yeah i remember when i first saw it i really really liked it but i think uh on sequential watches i even like love it even more um i'm more of a kind of character driven person rather than a plot person and i i feel like the character development and just the attachment to characters in this was uh really extreme uh I, i love the whole story with star lord and like trying to you know come to realization that he had his dad with him the entire time. Like that, like Yondu was his father. Um, Michael Rooker as Yondu, he really kind of steps it up a notch. He's really great in this film. I love the correlation between him and Rocket, how they're just kind of like these unlikable jerks that (laughs) they need to kind of like really look at what they're doing in life. Like they have, they have found family all around them. Um, The jokes are super funny. They super land. Um, Some really creative kind of world building and beautiful art. It feels like a Jack Kirby kind of experience, kind of like Thor Ragnarok does later. Uh, we'll talk mm-hmm. about that later. Yeah, but yeah. Just there's really nothing about it that I don't like. I, I feel like it's they. The only sin they commit is that there's a bit of bathos going on. They have these really emotional, beautifully shot scenes, and then they kind of like undercut it with a joke. Even though the joke's really funny, kind of rather they kind of leave some of that out. Um, but, but other than that, I, I really love it. I'm super high on it. Um, it's a, it's a movie that's in heavy rotation at our house, um, and, and Mister uh, Mister Blue Sky will forever be attached to this movie, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's something special um, that that movie does. Uh, I'm gonna land with, I think I'm on the low side. I love this movie, but I think I walked out of the theater like just straight up and okay. Um, this this has definitely gotten better every rewatch. Um, the the way that uh, the the place that James Gunn takes the characters. And sets up for for future stuff. Um, I, I, I've grown to appreciate. I've grown to appreciate. One of the things I didn't like about this movie when it came out is just that it's it felt kind of like a nothing movie. It felt kind of like not not a ton happened, and uh, it, there was a lot of quote unquote wasted time. Um, but I, I I think that the more time I spend with this movie, the more I realize its true brilliance and how I think I think this is the best way to make this movie, um, and I appreciate. Um, the 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 way that that this movie goes about things, um, uh, of you know sp- splitting up the guardians and having them fight their own things, but also still they're all working towards kind of one kind of objective of you know how do we how do we get out of here? Let's learn about it while we're here because it could be a threat. And but then, and then you introduce the Peter's father stuff, and it's just like all right, cool, like tying it back to the to the the plot line that was left dangling in, in the first movie. It's just like a lot of it, these, these characters also still didn't, didn't feel old. I probably saw guardians, of the galaxy, the first one, probably like nine or 10 times by the time the second one came out. And they still felt so fresh, so new. Um, just, just like, uh, I don't know, new friends that you're still loving to get acquainted, acquainted with. And, Man, it's kind of surprising when you watch one movie for that long and it still manages to feel fresh um, with the characters progressing. But um, this is a 
this this is really great, and I, I just I just appreciate it more and more each watch. So. Uh, what about let's we'll move on to Baby Groot. <laughs> I'm a big Baby uh, Groot fan. My wife's probably the biggest fan there is of Baby Groot. I know. I know you're kind of Luke, kind of lukewarm on him. I'm, I am kind of lukewarm on him. I think he's the, my least favorite of the three Groots that we've gotten so far. My my favorite being the original Groot, um, and I would take Teen Groot over Baby Groot. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard not to love him, right? It's hard not to like him. Um, it's just maybe maybe my thing was uh, was that just they they played a little bit too much into that. They played a little bit too much into um, uh, they played a little bit too much into I don't know the the sort of childish aspects of him, and I mean I could make the same same argument for Teen Groot, like you know all the the cliche teen tropes of playing video games and rebelling against you know parental authority figures. I love that part um, in Infinity War when he curses. You're like, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like before, you know, before we forget it, and kind of what we're talking about, Groot, man, the, uh, with uh. I think it was revealed via Twitter, but when Infinity War came out, um, James Gunn's pretty responsive on Twitter, and somebody somebody said, "Hey, I know that when you write the scripts, you write you actually write in Groot's lines. It does, it's not just I am Groot, I am Groot, I am Groot, but you actually like write in what he's intended to say to give the voice actor kind of a, an inflection and to get a genuine reaction from Rocket and and all that." He's like, "So what? So what did you write when when he was dusted?" And he says, "Daddy," because. Rocket's the only father figure he has, and uh. that that <laughs> moment look that moment doesn't work without Guardians of the Galaxy two, right? It doesn't. But I ca- it, I care so much when he says that, and because I because I, I read that too, and I was like I lost it. <laughs> same. It, it's one of those moments that immediately brings you back into tears. But it's like that moment brings us to tears because Guardians of the Galaxy two does the footwork footwork to set up that moment. So, um, I mean, and yeah. that's just a, that's a testament to the MCU as a whole. Like they'll do something four or five movies prior and you, and you know, it will, it will hit. And then, or retrospectively, you'll watch a movie like age of Ultron. And you're like, man, this movie is a lot better now after the fact, because I have all these other things that tie in and then you have WandaVision, you know what I mean? You get more context. So, uh, kudos for them for building out this universe the way they did. I mean, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, man. It's it's crazy all the things that they've done and all the things that they could do and um, I, I'll I'll be the self proclaimed king of hindsight for the MCU since I wrote an article for each movie about why why it needs to exist for for Endgame and Incredible Hulk was the only movie that I had nothing written for. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the movie that Marvel forgot or or, or Disney forgot. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I did I did just write a paragraph talking about how it is important that we follow Bruce in this journey, and it and it really sets up for his character narr- narratively for where he needs to go to get him to a place in Endgame. But most of the footwork is done later, and and all that. Um, so I think we wound up combining that with Thor: The Dark World because I didn't have much for that one either. But <laughs> yeah, um, so I think we just put them on one article and put it together. Um, all right. Well, Spider-Man: Homecoming. All right. Here's where I'm going to finally break the 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 love it camp here. I think this movie's just okay. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, no surprise here. I actually really love it. Uh, I'm a big yeah. kind of John Hughes fan, and this is a, a love letter to like John Hughes movies and teen movies. And I feel like they accurately accurately portray teenagers. Like most time you see teenagers, I mean, even even Spider Man, 
you know, the, the Tobey Maguire ones, it's like, uh, can be put on trial for this, but everybody in that school looks like they're 30. Like everybody yep. looks like they're 30, 30, you know, late twenties. When you look, watch homecoming, you're like, these are actual teenagers. Like these are actual kids playing kids. And like, and they're all great it is, actors. It has gotten better as things have gone by because yes, especially flash Thompson and the original Spider-Man looks so old. Oh, and poor, and, and poor amazing, and, amazing, <laughs> and amazing Spider-Man too. Everybody looks like, uh, yeah, Joe Magdalo hasn't aged a day since Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> amazing Spider-Man too. They all look like college kids and, uh, and Spider-Man homecoming. Yeah. They, they, they really look and feel like high schoolers. Um, so, um, a lot of it because a lot of them are that age. So turns out if you cast what you want accurately, it will reflect, um, I love the humor in this movie. I think Tom Holland has showed um, a lot, a lot of great things. I think, uh, I think I still like, um, I think Andrew Garfield might be my favorite Spider-Man, but it's hard to argue that Holland is not the best or the most comic accurate. Um, and, and, and he really captures the spirit and the mood of, again, different runs of Spider-Man, different, different personalities of Spider-Man. Right. And, um, I don't know. He's such a level. He's so lovable in this movie and he's, such a such a great uh comedic timing um from holland and uh um i think vulture is a great villain keaton as vulture is is terrific there and again one of those things that you look back and sam raimi wanted to cast malkovich as vulture for spider-man 4 and it's like i would have been on board with that until it's it's just really on the nose yeah I would have totally been on board with that until they cast Keaton for Vulture. And now it's like, I can't see anybody else playing Vulture. Um, He's just such a like sympathetic blue collar villain. Like you're like, you see his plight and it's just like, he's even giving like Peter Parker out. It's like, can't you just turn your back? Like I'm, you know, I'm doing this for a reason. Like I'm doing, yeah. You know, you see the direct results of, of what I'm doing. You know, it's going to affect you as well. Like, yeah, it's just so well set up, and you can see his plight. Um, and, and probably one of the few villains that kind of broke that 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 streak of like really non. How do I say this? Uh, Marvel had a villain problem. They had a huge yeah, villain problem right. where you know it would be like the mirror image of the of the hero, and they'd be kind of unremarkable. So this was like kind of like breaking that trend in a really excellent fashion. Yeah, I mean, aside from Loki, this is the first like great yeah. villain, um, you know. And I and I like and I like Kaecilius. Uh, I like Dormammu. Um, I like Zemo. I think Zemo's gotten better with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, yeah, um, the Thor ones are pretty. Un- I, I like I liked Red Skull, but th- yeah, this is the first one. Yeah. You're like, right. yeah, they they really did it. And then of course, you know, then they come with Black Panther and infinity war back you know practically back to back and it's like all right i guess they figured out their villain problem i guess they figured out yeah yeah i'd say i'd say red skull's out there for one of my favorite villains you know i have a little bit of uh you know bias but but overall that was a great performance and i kind of wish he would have stuck on uh because red skull is like a phenomenal villain he's very complex he's about as evil as it gets so it'd been really cool to keep him in the role we even did a great job i think he knocked out the park yeah yeah absolutely totally agree um okay uh the the main thing i think about um spider-man homecoming is just that um i'll say two things one thing that i really hate and one thing that i i don't mind uh i know the biggest criticism for this movie when it came out was this movie is not truly spider-man it is a tony stark movie starring peter parker and 
I don't mind it. Um, I like that we're getting a Spider-Man that needs to be shown the ropes. I I like that we're get not you know we're getting the um uh the well, with great power comes great responsibility. Without saying with great power comes great responsibility. I like how uh, you know because it's the if you're nothing without the suit you shouldn't have it. That is just as powerful. Um, yep. As a uh, as the same as the same thing. It's essentially saying the same thing, right? Just different wording and a and a little bit different of a perspective, but. Um, I think I think I think it's not, I think it's great character growth for Tony seeing him um, in this movie. Um, I I don't feel like the movie is weighed down by it. Um, I and it's not I, I don't as either. Much as I, they they have like they have like parallels, right? Because because I, I mean Tony had to learn that he had to be more than the suit as well in Iron Man three. Yes. So it's yes. it's a direct one on one correlation, you know. Well, and he even tells um, Peter, he's like, I-, "I don't want you to be me. I want you to be better than me." So yeah, he's trying to just progress him, and but also this is also a movie where we kind of see Tony, you know, figuring out. Spider Man tries to go do things alone, and and Tony's like, "All right, that wasn't the way to do it, right? If you think there's a bomb <laughs> on a boat, you don't go to the boat. You call the cops. You call the feds. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and you and you assist them, right? So, um, but the the thing of and again, it's a it's a wide complaint, and there's no argument here. Um, the last third of the CGI is particularly horrific, especially that that um, the holographic reflective jet or whatever it is um, that is transport that Vulture is trying to steal from. It, it's such terrible visual effects. Um, I don't like anything about the final fight scene. Not a thing. Um, and so, to me, what was a movie that was really in loved it? That final fight scene comes, and I'm just like. Okay, that uh, completely ruined the movie for me. See, uh, I really like the last fight scene because it kind of shows Peter's compassion. Like he's not, he's not willing to you know hurt somebody, and even if he's on the verge of death, he's willing to do the right thing and help those yeah. people, even if they be you know a foe, you know, or a friend. Like he'll help them out. And I feel like that really kind of sums up who Peter is as a person, as a hero. He learns at the end, like I'm fine with just being a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And it came to, it came to a head after, you know, all these events taking place. And I feel like it really sets up yes. his character well for, for sequels. So yeah. for me, I got it. I got it. You know, I had that take as far as the third battle. It's not like the best, you know, choreographed thing in the world. I think the lesson there is, uh, is pretty valuable though. But I, I do well, agree. It's kind of lackluster in comparison to others. Well, I'm, I'm okay with the battle. It's just, uh, you're, you're right. The fight choreography isn't great. The editing isn't great. The CG isn't great. And, it's it's I don't know I felt like it was maybe a little long and uh, the acting really helps push that along. There's yeah, two actors it, just like you know just giving it their all. Oh yeah. Um. All right, we'll move on to Thor Ragnarok and again like just all these. What really can we say that's new? Um, I I think I just have two things to say about Thor Ragnarok. One, um, Tyke, everything good about this movie has to come. Uh, and attribute it to Taika Waititi um, for taking the comedic tone with this, uh, and you know, in, in result, you know, Kevin Feige for hiring Waititi for it, but uh, for uh, for for um, the the comedic effect, the way that he uses the actors for comedic timing, uh, for at for all the fan service, the art direction that really feels just out of the uh, the comic books for the the Grandmaster being the way he is every single good thing about this movie. Um, can be and should be attributed to Taika Waititi. Also, every not great thing about this movie should also be attributed to him. And really, the only not great things 
about him is I feel like um, the uh, the initial villain that they use for a laugh that eventually comes and destroys Adgar- Asgard. Um, Surtur? Is that it? Surtur, yes. Surtur. Um, uh, you know, I, I I don't know that that's that was handled necessarily well. Um, you know, take a big bad villain like that and use him as a joke. Um, but, uh, you know, it, use him as a, a pretty, a, a clever and funny joke, but it's just like, okay, I kind of want to see Thor fight him though. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and the other, and the other thing is just, I think this movie is just a little too long. I think you trim off 10 minutes and this is up in my upper echelon of this is, these are among the best Marvel movies, but it's, it's in that second echelon. I really like this movie. Yeah, this one for me is like near my top five. I think I have slowly inched it out um, just because there's just so many great movies. But it's it's definitely up there. Like it's, it's splitting hairs at this point. But yeah, I absolutely love this movie. Uh, just for exactly what you said, like Taika Waititi, they kind of gave him full reign to kind of do what he wanted. And I think it really uh, was a huge benefit to, to the overall project. Everybody looks like they're having a great time. Uh, Chris Hemsworth gets to kind of flex his... Uh, comedic muscles as he did in the mm-hmm. first Avengers movie. And, and, you know, I feel like in Avengers movies, he's a little more funny. He's a little more loose. He's been hanging out with people on earth. Yeah. So it makes yeah. sense. Uh, but they kind of, they stepped it up a notch. It cranked it up to 11, so to speak. Um, as far as yeah. him being kind of an oaf, which is great. Um, I think Kate Blanchett as Hela is, is, a uh, is a little underrated. I feel like she chews up scenery really well. And, um, I actually really like their fight at the end. Uh, Tessa Thompson, uh, a welcome addition yeah. to Valkyrie. She's great. Uh, there's there's nothing better than you know a drunk badass, and that's exactly who she is in this movie. Man, what a career she's had. She <laughs> went from like nobody knew who she was to being like a main character yeah. <laughs> in Westworld and in Creed and in in this. Like, man, what a what a what a renaissance she's had for. I mean, you can't say it's a renaissance because it's her first go, but oh, I love her. Yeah, I think she's great. I think the thing that really works in her favor is that she has a ton of charisma. Uh, it, it just yeah. it just oozes off her like the mannerisms. Everything she does with this character is like perfect. I mean, as soon as you first see her, and she just falls off the platform of her ship into like some gross, disgusting debris, and like pulling her arm, I was like, "This is great." I mean, you know, I, I'm locked in. Like she she plays yeah. drunk well. So <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And you, you mentioned the Grandmaster, like. Casting Jeff Goldblum and just letting him be Jeff Goldblum was perfect. That yep. was just perfection. Uh, I, like I said, every time I watch this movie, I got a smile on my face from ear to ear. Uh, I love oh, yeah. Taika's work. So, yeah, it's a, it's a slam dunk for me. Man, I so badly. I, I've been wanting to ever since it came out, but I haven't yet. I want to watch. Right, and here's why. And this is a gripe. The I have the 4K Blu-ray for this. But the audio commentary is only available on the Blu-ray. You can't watch the commentary on the 4K. It's like, is is that really any different? It's just a different audio track. You really telling me there's not enough space for that? So I'm so frustrated <laughs> by that because I want to listen to the audio commentaries because I've heard it's the funniest thing because Taika Waititi is giving it and he's one of the funniest people alive. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I so badly want to watch it. But at the same time, like with the way that the colors are and the set of grace, how do you not watch that movie in 4K? So. <laughs> Uh, Black Panther. It's it's gonna be hard to be brief about this movie, but Bozeman is excellent. Michael B. Jordan is excellent, um, and and it's such an achievement. Um, this is by far the most important movie that Marvel has made. 
I love La- Letitia Wright as uh, um, Shuri, but there there's so much to love about this movie. Yeah, like like you said, the, the cast from like from newcomers to to established you know black actors, it's it's super well cast. Uh, if you didn't have each one of these actors in this role, I don't think it would be as powerful as it is. Um, the script yeah. is really solid. Um, like you said, the only the only thing I could really talk about that's a negative is the CGI. I just I think it's I think it's super rushed. Uh, it, it looks really unfinished. But yeah, Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. Oh, that's the best picture nominee we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it was one of my favorite villains. Period. Until and it's still kind of splitting hairs at this point between him and Thanos. Uh, I might some days I'm like Killmonger, some days I'm you know more of a Thanos person. But uh, and Chadwick Boseman is is amazing his role. Uh, you get to see the evolution of the character. He's in mourning. He's trying to realize how to be a good man and a good king all at the same time. Um, they're really absorbing and taking things in. So you see a very different uh, T'Challa in this movie in comparison to Civil War, which which I don't think a lot of people uh, realized or didn't want to. They wanted the same type of Black Panther. It was very vengeful and very... That's just not him in this movie. That's He's, he's got to be the better person in this situation. Um, but yeah, the, the entire cast... Uh, the costume design, the score is amazing by Ludwig Gordon. Uh, mm-hmm. Well deserved uh, winning categories in both costumes and in uh, and in score. Uh, yeah, just a just a great movie. It's in my top five uh, MCU films. Uh, okay. Yeah, this is on head rotation. I'm not on as high in, as on this movie as you are. I'm probably on the low side of like this. I I would still say this is that second tier. Um, my biggest gripe of this movie is this feels like it is a like a second film that is the first. I th- I think they were trying to get away with we introduced T'Challa in Civil War, so let's really just throw him into the into it. But I feel like I want to to know and understand a little bit more of Wakanda and the cultures of of what goes on and. And then, and you know, and if you want to still have Killmonger be your villain, and and just have that be the storyline, but or, or or, but I probably think maybe still save Killmonger for your sequel, and and just have it be Ulysses Claw, um, in the first one, and uh, you don't have the tribal fights, and you have Bozeman wrestling with how to lead, or no, T'Challa wrestling with how to lead this nation, and you can still have that kind of opening up to i mean you're messing with killmonger's motivation a little bit so even i guess if you want to move that the ending that they have there of opening up wakanda and sharing resources to the second movie but because of the timeline because infinity wars coming, this movie had to have been restricted by your ne- the next thing is infinity war so get them to a place and so you can't have that movie set up as your second one because it's coming out after endgame like if they're finally like we're sharing all our resources, like and you didn't do it when Thanos attacked, like <laughs> I, I I don't know. I feel like this is a second movie, but where it's coming out because he was in a prominent role in Civil War, I I, I feel like it's just kind of they've rushed a lot of the legwork that I really want in a movie like this. Yeah, and I, and I, you know, I'm deeply saddened that we won't see Chadwick Boseman reprise the role. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, yeah I'm, i mean <laughs> there's just really no replacing him like i don't i don't care what what school or train of thought you have like there's just no replacing him as t'challa he was the black panther i'm not kidding yeah and man i i do not envy the people that have to make that decision of how how do we move on without this person who was so clearly exactly what we wanted and exactly what we we needed and exactly everything we wanted him to be and so i have absolutely no envy for 
um, for them having to to grieve every day um, that they are trying to honor his legacy and trying to uh, to move forward. Uh, it's just, gosh, yeah, what a either. what a tragedy. Um, not 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 production, but a tragedy of of his pass of his his passing at a at a relatively young age and man with the talent he had. Gosh, sorry to to bring it down a notch, but but yeah, no, it's you, it's, you so can't, it's hard to talk about this movie without talking about him passing. Like it just it's, it, it, it's rough. it is, and I I tried my hardest in my initial comments because I just and and it's not because I don't want to pay respects or. You know, sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but it's just like it's so difficult to talk about because, man, COVID time has felt like way longer than normal time. But it feels like he just passed away yesterday, and he was by far at the height of his popularity, the height of his potential, the height of his career when he passed. I mean, coming off a Oscar nominating, some might argue Oscar winning performance, and coming off an of Endgame and Black Panther two getting ready to shoot. Like people say, the sky was his, was there is there limit? No, 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 no. He could have gone to the freaking moon. Yeah. Uh, on that note, Avengers Infinity War. Um, I love this movie. This, uh, gosh, this is this is excellence. Yeah, uh, I, I'm in the same camp. Uh, I mean, no surprise here. I absolutely love this movie. Uh, I mean, you could just you could just kind of end the end the MCU here and just like leave it as is, and like it would be perfect. Yeah. Just having the villain just win. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, it really is kind of like it's Thanos's movie. Uh, he's the hero of his own story. Um, and I think they, they really tell it through that lens and it really works. Uh, and, and kudos to them for, for taking that approach with it, because if it would have gone any other way, I don't think it would have landed as well as it did. Uh, I feel like it's yep. really accurate to the comic book, you know, with, with the exception of him being in love with death and whatnot, they gave him a more, a more complex reason that more relatable reason to why he would want to kill half the universe. Uh, well, which, and which and here's the brilliant thing, and, and same thing goes for Civil War. The way that they modify and adapt the 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 circumstances, but still keep the characters and the uh, the same, and still keep their objectives the same. It's the, like you know, you could not do Civil War the comic book as a movie. Um, so so no, many props to Chris Marcus. <laughs> so many props to Chris Marcus and Stephen Buscemi, who not once but twice did characters who are memorable to their story, who it respects their source, uh, the source material, but also kind of doesn't resemble a lot of it. And uh, this might be a hot take, but I actually think Civil War the movie is better than the comic book run. I think they, it's 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 tightly written. It's a little, it's just more believable, and I don't have to read you know, 90 plus comics to get really, get really the, into the story or have the like reason, those decades of, you know, of reading behind me to, to, you know, the, the, the only reason I'll agree with you is when you read the comics, there's a lot of characters in civil war, um, where you're not getting all their really, motivations too. Like it's a little harder when you get to focus in and narrow in on, on, on who's thinking what and, and how people are responding. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit clearer of a picture, but we didn't get that great Spider-Man reveal. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, Cap's death by, uh, um, Sharon. Cro- was it? No, it was Crossbones, uh, wasn't it? Uh, well, Crossbones is the scapegoat. The person that actually does it, who's the trigger uh-huh. man really is a Sharon Carter. Got it. Brainwashed by yeah. Faustus. 
we're getting real nerdy here. <laughs> we're getting very complicated. I was like, no, 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 crossbow shot him. <laughs> or crossbones, not crossbow. Yeah, he, he did, but he didn't get the, he needed the killing shot. Got it. Anyway, um, so yeah, anyway, just, yeah, absolutely uh, perfect way. And while we're, man, while we're talking about Thanos, this, this is a prime reason why I really think, um, I'm, he's not the definitive example, but um, either we need to start including motion capture and voice capture in best performance categories, best actor, actress categories, or we need to create a new category in major awards for, and this is my preference um, for motion capture and, or voice acting. I, I, I think we need to, to be able to award um, because there's people like Andy Serkis and Toby Kebbell who are doing excellent stuff. And then you have Josh Brolin, just insanely good for a 100, for a completely CG character. Um, yep. I totally insanely buy it. <laughs> insanely emotive for a again CGI'd face, um, but it's because he's laying the framework, he's laying the groundwork, and he's he's doing just really excellent stuff. And uh, you know, and and you could you know, yeah add voice acting and you know you throw that in that category because that should also be one. And I'm not sure the pool is quite big enough for best uh, motion capture performance, but we will be there soon. Yeah, I think so, so soon. I mean, like uh, it was like anyways, Paddington, like that made me believe yeah. that a bear was like right in front of me and being, you know, being absolutely. Ben adorable. Winshaw, best vocal performance, Paddington three. Uh, <laughs> yes, let's get let's let's make that happen. I know Robert's on board, so. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> did you see that Paddington two still has a hundred? percent of rotten tomatoes but citizen kane finally yeah got a negative yeah and it should never change so. like that movie is <laughs> it is like a national treasure like it's it's a it's a beautifully made film there's it's so creative i mean i don't want to go off tangent but yeah i, I love yeah. the both the paddington movies well, like they're amazing so, so now definitively paddington 2 is better than citizen kane <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh man gosh what else about what, what else about infinity war <sighs> I mean, just all the all the 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 key interactions, like especially the interactions between the Guardians and Thor, like is beautifully done. It cracks me up every sure. time. Like, oh yeah, no, sure. this is a man. Yo, you're a dude. This is a man. Like all those little jokes and and kind of like picking on uh, Star Lord. Just like all of that stuff is great. Why is Gamora? <laughs> Why is Gamora? Yeah, just all those jokes. Just, oh. Like you're having yeah, all these and- funny jokes and like this really seriously like tone a movie and it's just like beautifully balanced like and man remember how excited we were to see uh star lord and 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 iron man you know interact finally <laughs> <laughs> and it totally pays off yeah it just totally pays off <laughs> yeah um star lord man, did I, have a I good think... plan though he had a good plan <laughs> <laughs> i think there's only one knock that i have about this movie it's really i think it's just a brilliant perfect movie um and, and everything about it works except for one thing. And it's just who gets snapped away. Um, the way this film ends, you know that nothing is permanent uh, because your, your survivors are the original six Avengers and uh, a couple other secondary characters. Um, you, 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 know, you dust away. Um, I mean, it doesn't super matter if you do Falcon and Bucky necessarily. I mean, I'm happy that they're, they're back, but um, but you, you take away T'Challa and you take away Doctor Strange and you take away Peter Parker and you take away half the Guardians of the Galaxy and you're just like, 
there's there is absolutely no way Marvel just signed an agreement to get Peter Parker to give him <laughs> Civil War one movie and to just die in the snap. Like no, absolutely no way. And and you know, there's no way they're going to introduce Black Panther and then immediately kill him. And there's no way they're going to introduce Doctor Strange and then immediately kill him. There and sever all ties that they have to the magic universe. Like it's just the the, the who gets snapped. Um, there, there was never a moment that I believed that anything in the last hour of this movie was going to be definitive. And, uh, it's just, I, at least when you make a movie like this and look, I knew that the snap was going to come right there because they announced it as infinity war part one and part two, this was never going to end not with the snap. And apparently the original plan was for it to end as Thanos snapped his finger and then cut to black. Like that when it was Infinity War Part One and Two, and it was going to open with seeing everybody get dusted away. It's like, holy crap! How much cooler could that have been? Um, but, I, I like the way that sounds cool, but I like the way they they ran with it. I, I think it's the better way the way that they ran with it. But Endgame has such a a dour opening, and the way it's done is just so well. Totally agree. It puts you right in that moment at the end of Infinity War, but at the same time, if you don't know who's going you don't know if it's permanent or not. And if you just include True. the last five minutes of Infinity War into uh, the into an endgame somehow, then um, then you get that suspense. You're like, you, we would be talking for a year who's going and who's staying. And we would be talking for so long about like, is this going to be permanent or not? And look, we would always been like, there's no way they're going to do it. But, we never thought they were going to actually do the snap on the big screen, right? So, um, it's that's my only knock about it. So, yeah, that's uh, totally fair. Like, there's no element of real surprise. Yeah. All right, Ant Man and the Wasp. How do we feel about that? Uh, I I really like it. Uh, I think Paul Rudd once again kind of knocks it out of the park. As I think we forgot to talk about it this time. He's such a treasure in Civil War. It's yeah. such a good cameo where Spe- specifically as giant man, as giant man, like, you know, like you said, uh, like a kid with a new toy, like <laughs> literally when he has roadie, <laughs> man, uh, it's crazy that Paul Rudd is this good in civil war, Ant-Man, even Avengers Endgame, And he is still by far not a standout. Like, like he's so excellent, but we don't talk about him as much, but he's, he's so stinking good. Yeah. I think, I think a, a lot of people love Paul Rudd and he really makes a character. Like if anybody else were to play Ant-Man, I don't think it would, it would land the same. Like even if they went with, they went with Hank, went with Hank Pym, I wouldn't yeah. like the characters much, but Scott Lang, even in the comic books is such a lovable loser. Like you, you love the guy. He's doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. He has a particular skill set, and he likes to use them. Uh, he's really good at thieving. Uh, and I think this film kind of like fully expands upon him trying to like, kind of keep his nose clean, like trying to, you know, keep his, you know, keep a low profile, but like, you know, the world's not going to let him do that. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's, there's circumstances aren't going to allow him to do that. And Michael Pena, he's great in this as well. Uh, Anytime he tells a story, you know, (laughs) I'm, I'm there to watch it. Uh, Yeah. If he, if he did a reprisal of the entire MCU, I'm there. Uh, All right. So, so Kevin Feige, (laughs) so Kevin Feige has said that that movie exists. 
uh, that that clip exists. There is a Michael Pena recapping the whole MCU. Maybe if we're obnoxious is, like the Snyder fans, we'll get it. Well, we got the Zemo here's cut. The thing. <laughs> Look, especially with, well, especially with, with with COVID postponing things, but also with them choosing to take stories that are so far, you know, not necessarily connected with what we've been going on. So we get the Black Widow one, and we get. Um, you know, we're gonna get Eternals and Shang Chi. I mean, the next sequel we're getting is is Doctor Strange, and and because of WandaVision, like there will be a lot of people seeing Doctor Strange that haven't seen WandaVision, and I feel like it's gonna be essential. Do you think that their plan is to release it, like, in the in front of? To me, it makes sense release it in front of Black Widow, right? Just because it's been a year and a half. Uh, been two years since we got two a new years. mcu movie so gosh it doesn't feel that long ago um there's no way that's right holy crap that's right <laughs> yeah it's been two years far from it, home was, what, it was, was july was it the two-year anniversary for endgame or was it the the what the anniversary for endgame was was it two years or was it it was like yeah, a year yeah, right Okay. Too, because uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Like wow. Okay. Man. Gosh. Uh, anyway. Um, well, because there was nothing between Spider-Man Far From Home and Black Widow, because they deliberately had a big gap. So. Yeah. Um, and then that just kept on getting pushed back. Um, man. So doesn't it make sense to to throw that bumper video now? Like, you have it. Get people caught up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would. I'd be anyway. completely one hundred percent okay with that. And when I say okay, I mean I'd be ecstatic about it. They, they really yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, at, least, at least for Doctor Strange, because you know we we want to get um, reacquainted with where we were at in the story, and especially with WandaVision going on, you know, re- release uh, what's his release the Louise cut. Yeah, release, release the Louise, Louise cut. <laughs> yeah, release the Louise cut. Um, <laughs> I think this movie's better than a lot of people talk about uh, talk about it. Um, it. It's a lot of fun. I think Evangeline Lilly is great. I think the leads are great. Um, Walton Goggins is one of my favorite sneaky good actors, and uh, that we don't talk about enough. Um, and uh, he's a great character. Great actor. We just don't talk about enough. Um, and uh, he's not he's not really given much to do in this movie. But you give that to anybody else, and it's totally forgettable. And even with Walton Goggins, it's pretty forgettable. Um, we're, we're, but we're getting back to like phase one MCU villains with him. <laughs> yeah, I, kind of he's the, still charming and like goofy. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah, he's yeah. like barely a hired up henchman. At, at, you know, at any given respect, like entrepreneur type dude. Yeah, but it's uh, Walton uh, Goggins. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm fine with it. <laughs> uh, Michelle Pfeiffer as the Wasp is great. Um, and, uh, I particularly love ghost. Um, this is going to be awesome because I'm not going to sound like an idiot because I said ghost was an original character and you were like, uh, uh, and then <laughs> and I was proven wrong. It was, it was an adapted version of a different character. Very um, different. Yeah. Very different, but not wholly original, but, um, I believe she's so canon now in the MCU. Like they've catered the character, tailored the character more like her, which is good. Yeah. I think it's a good look. Yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. Um, but I think she's, I think she's interesting. Um, I, yeah, everybody sees the Lawrence Fishburne twist coming a mile away. But 
um it, it this movie still is fun um and and that's that's i i don't know that i expected ant-man to be as fun when it came out and that maybe just surprised me and that's why i love that movie so much but you know you know what you're getting into by the time you see ant-man in civil war and well we hadn't that's really all we've seen him in but um it's a good palate cleanser too. I mean, the first movie was a good palate cleanser yeah. too. Like you're coming off a like a really heavy yeah. movie. You know, you need something to kind yeah. of like lighten it up. Yeah. So um, I don't I don't know that I have a, anything else. To say. I I think this movie is better than most people remember. It, it's not to say it's great. Um, it's like the lower tier of that middle. What I was the the lower end of that middle tier I was talking about of where you get like pretty good. Um, Definitely, definitely could be improved, but this is far from bad. So, um, there's that. All right, then we go to Captain Marvel. So, um, gosh, I don't like this movie. I'm I'm on the super high side of uh, of dislike this movie. Um, I don't know really much of this movie that does work. Um, and, uh, that does work as well as they want it to work. Um, the nineties nostalgia feels forced, the CGI and trying to put in the timeline is forced. And I'll let you, I'll let you cover the biggest, uh, mis- you know, the biggest sin in this movie. Um, <laughs> cause I know you you're a little bit more passionate about it than I, than I am, but, uh, um, there's not much of the movie I like uh, the, you see the twist coming a mile away of the people she's with being bad guys and nothing about the Cree soldiers feel, I don't know. Like I I don't care about him at all. Um, the 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 one thing I will give this movie super props for is the scrolls. Um, and I wonder we we had a lengthy conversation about this last time, but I wonder um, are the scrolls actually still going to wind up to be villains in the MCU like they are in the comics, and they were just using humans um, to keep the Kree off their back for a while um, while they rebuild an army. And are they I think it'd be being... a super interesting take and be really bold. If they did that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's the direction they're going. But I kind of want that to be it. The scrolls only played yeah. nice while they rebuilt. <laughs> yeah, that that would be cool. It would kind of it kind of rip my heart out a little bit because I love Talos and I love his family and like what we've seen from them so far in the MCU has been great. Especially like Talos and his wife undercover in <laughs> in Far From Home. Uh, I, yeah. I, I really love that dynamic, and they kind of like. Uh, to, to kind of briefly talk about that, it's funny because like when you watch Far From Home, you're like, this doesn't really seem like Fury. Like, what's what's up? And then and, and you come to the realization it's not. It's just Talos acting like Fury. Yeah, they did a good job. Uh, I'm I'm on the the high side of like really liking this movie. Uh, I think I'm like one of the very few people that actually really enjoy this movie. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Captain Marvel. She's one of my favorite superheroes. Uh, I think Brie Larson captures the character really well of what she's going for as far as kind of like a I have amnesia I don't really truly know myself kind of RoboCop-esque in that respect sure. Um, sure. I, I love her interactions with Fury I think that's where the movie's at its highest points is like their buddy cop kind of dynamic and them kind of picking at each other uh, I think that's really great uh, yeah to, to, to talk about the, the biggest sin that this movie has is kind of recalling a moment from Captain America Civil War where Fury says, uh, "The last time I trust somebody, I lost an eye." And in this yep. film, you get to real, you get to figure out that mystery, and it's not the greatest in the world. Uh, literally, Goose a flurkin scratches his eye out, and they, <laughs> I get it. He's being a little, you know, he's being a little too much with this cat, and that's you know, gets his eye scratched out. But it was just 
kind of undercutting a really important integral moment in Captain America Civil War in a mystery that we wanted to figure out and they kind of dropped the ball on it. Um, yeah. I like Lashana Lynch. In a, she's not in the movie uh, a lot, but she's great as Maria Rambeau. I think those two worked really well with one another to kind of like establish that friendship in a few scenes. Um, and, and just just overall being a 90s kid, uh, I, I actually like the, the, the kind of intertwining of all the 90s kind of nostalgia stuff. Uh, some of it did feel out of place. I do agree. But I think it I think it worked for me. Sure. Yeah, I'm good with that. Um okay ben, and ben uh Nelson's awesome. Yeah, he's great as Talos. That's something my final yeah. note. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like him. Um I, I don't know that I'd say he's great, um, but I, I definitely want to see more of him. So Yeah. Um okay, so then we get to uh Avengers Endgame and uh man, I don't know how you talk about this movie for, for terribly short, but um, I, this is my favorite MCU movie. Um, I do, I think it's quite far from the best MCU movie and I'm okay with that. Um, and to me, um, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll summarize my feelings in just this. Um, to me, Endgame is such a success. Endgame is my favorite MCU movie because uh, exactly the reason why I wrote the hindsight articles, every single movie that came before it is deemed essential and important to how we get here. And that is why Endgame and ultimately the MCU has been a success um, because it's not just the case here because every movie became pretty important for Avengers, but obviously because we need to know these characters. Um, Phase 2 doesn't really lead up to Age of Ultron really well, but you know what Phase 2 does lead to? Endgame. And you know what? Age of Ultron is a much better movie because Endgame exists. Thor The Dark World is a not much better movie, but a better movie because Endgame exists. Right. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Two is a better movie because Endgame exists. Um, these are. Uh, this is why it. Th- that's just where I want to leave it. That's why this is my favorite MCU movie. That's why um, I don't care that it has plot holes, and I don't care that time travel doesn't make sense, and uh, and I don't care about all the things that you can nitpick about it, um, and. Uh, I'll nitpick one thing, um, <laughs> but that's why it's my favorite. The, the, the thing that I'll nitpick is just saying um, that um, the scene where they have the all females in the final battle is just stupid. Um, and I get what it means. I get what it stands for. I appreciate that. I'm for that. But the fact that all the females would be together for one shot in the final battle is just logistically impossible. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I had to be a better way to do that. For, but but yeah, there there was definitely a better way to approach that. That didn't that would seem more organic. It just seemed really forced. But yeah, I still so, enjoy it every time I see it. I'm like, I've done the best way, but I like what you guys did. You guys tried to accomplish here, so I'll, I'll give you guys the uh, I'll give you a B plus. I'll give you a B plus. Yeah. I'll give you a little passing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Just this movie is like an emotional roller coaster throughout the MCU. Um, and this movie, like you said, only works because of the parts that it's made out of. Like when you mm-hmm. see, you know, Steve Rogers finally with the love of his life, I lose it every time. Like it's definitely like that, that moment where like you get to see this guy has been so selfless his entire life, you know, finally get his moment to be with the person he loves. You know what I mean? Of course he's going to take yeah. that moment. Um, yeah. Him, you know, I, I'm only focused on Captain America things here, but <laughs> the... Him, him passing the shield to Sam and like the importance of that, 
him realizing that he's the perfect person to take up this mantle is just beautiful. And we got a whole season of wonderful television after this to really explore that. We'll talk um, about that at some point soon. We'll talk about that at some point. Um, but Robert Downey Jr., I mean, what a treasure. Uh, fantastic performance. Uh, a phenomenal opening that kind of sets the tone for the first act in a really beautiful fashion and really tragic fashion. Um, the the kind of like grand sequences that they that that they're able to execute, like you know, Captain America picking up Mjolnir, them time traveling to different points, you know, to the first Avengers film, and you know, having these really iconic sequences like told through a different lens, they're just just so well done. Uh, this this movie, while not perfect, is like full of heart and is a love letter to the fans in the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is this is how you do it, not Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, um, this is how you do fan service. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this is how you make something a love letter to the fans. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. All right, we're gonna rank them. Um, I'll start first, um, and uh, we're going from favorite to least favorite, so top to bottom. Uh, that way, it's a little easier to track along in your head. But Endgame is my favorite, followed by Infinity War, which I'll clarify. I think is the best MCU movie, but. Um, but this list is favorite. So Endgame, then Infinity War, then Guardians of the Galaxy, then Iron Man, Civil War, the first Avengers, um, the Winter Soldier, Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, Thor Ragnarok, Captain America, the first Avenger, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, Thor, Age of Ultron, um, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 3, Spider-Man Homecoming, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Black Panther. Again, I think so far all the way up here, really good movies. Um, Iron Man 2, Captain Marvel, and Thor The Dark World being at the very, very, very bottom. And, uh, of course, Spider-Man Far From Home is thrown in there somewhere, but we haven't talked about it yet. So uh, that's my ranking. Joe, what you got? Uh, yeah, uh, I actually kind of cheated. Uh, there's a, there's this app that lets you like pick which one you want <laughs> mm-hmm. as far as like comparison. Uh, so that's how I broke down my list. Uh, it's accurate though, um, so I'll say that. So I'll start from the best to the worst, in my opinion. Uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier at my top. Uh, Avengers: Endgame, Avengers: Infinity War, Captain America: Civil War, uh, Black Panther, Thor: Ragnarok, Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Uh, all exempt Spider-Man: uh, Far From Home, even though it's my number ten. Uh, the Avengers: Captain Marvel, Iron Man. Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, Doctor Strange, uh, Ant-Man, Ant-Man the Wasp, Avengers Age of Ultron, Iron Man 3, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, and Thor and Thor of Dark World, uh, Dragon at the Bottom. <laughs> but, well, we have <laughs> three of the same top five, and we have the same very bottom. So yeah, that's, uh, that's the thing. But uh, ultimately, I think uh, different, different enough. And, uh, yeah. you know. I'm happy we got that. So um, we've, we've talked about all the MCU except for Far From Home and the TV shows at this point. We will do it at some point soon. My guess is after Black Widow comes out um, or maybe, I don't know, we're supposed to be getting like six new MCU movies within a year. So uh, maybe maybe we'll wait a little further out. Um, but yeah. um, with uh, <laughs> uh, we with, with getting, uh, now that we've gotten here, knowing where we are in the MCU, uh, even taking... Um, Spider-Man: Far From Home, WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, in um, to into the view for the B plot here that we're we'll be moving on to. Um, the the what I want to explore and, and, and super briefly again um, 
is is where do you want to see the MCU go? Um, what do you want the future of MCU to look like? Do you like uh, projects that are already announced that you are most excited for? Um, projects that you hope are announced? Um, themes, characters, whatever it happens to be. I'll start off with the three announced projects I'm most excited about, um, and that is the Fantastic Four movie, um, the What If series, and they just recently announced this um, not being non-MCU canon, but the MODOK series coming to Hulu. Something about <laughs> that just really intrigues me, mostly Pat Oswald, but um, just really excited to see what they do with that. Yeah. Fantastic Four and What He's If. He's amazing. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely at the top. So, um, what about you? What do you, I, I have four other notes I want to say, but what about you? Uh, for me, I think the future is, is, is streaming, uh, for them. I feel like with what we got for WandaVision, Falcon, the Winter Soldier, what we got was a lot of character building and world building. And the thing is within, I mean, you could have as many movies as you want, but, but, the, but, but the fact of the matter is you can't have all that growth, both with characters and world without having, you know, six to eight hours dedicated to it. I feel like they're knocking out of the park right. right now as far as setting those characters up. Cause now I care more. If you know, I, I go to see, um, you know, Dr. Strange too. I'm going to know Wanda's play. I'm going to know where she's at. Uh, yeah. It, it's only going to strengthen those characters as we go. I mean, yeah, they just announced, you know, Captain America four. Like I know, you know, I know where that's leading to because, because of the series. Um, so yeah, I think that's where the future is. And that's what I'm most excited about. Cause like, I mean, we've, We've been doing this for for a minute, and you know I'm more of a character person than anything, and that's what really grabs me is kind of the, the kind of human experience or that character growth. So, yeah, cool. Um, I think uh, I think I'll start with my note first um, before I do the three things that I I want to see, um, and that is that um, the reason why MCU has succeeded and DCU, in my opinion, has felt rather bland and unexciting at this point is that um the mcu is willing to explore new things and the dceu is just not specifically with characters now i will say with the exception we talked about zack snyder's justice league last year willing to go new places and yeah. i totally admire that uh, but um but i mean think about i mean batman when's the last time we've seen a, a batman iteration that the joker hasn't been a part of um, and this goes for <laughs> video games and uh, and obviously the movies and uh, just literally anything Batman has to have the Joker attached to. I get it. Joker is maybe the most popular comic book character of all time. Um, if not, he's number two. Well, number three, maybe. I don't know. Batman and Superman would maybe be the only ones to top him. Um, but, um, man, like, so much is exciting about this new Pattinson Batman because... We're we're getting something taking new. Taking a chance, get, right? And and look, every part of me fears that they're going to drop a, a Joker nod, or we're going to get a cameo, or whatever. And like, not because I don't want to see more Joker, but because I've seen enough Joker. You know, like there's plenty of good um, Batman villains that we just haven't seen at all. Um, you know, or, I mean, he has the greatest Rose Gallery there is. Like, absolutely right. <laughs> if you don't believe me, just freaking play the Arkham Asylum trilogy the arkham trilogy but even you know, the like, silly villains are fun <laughs> even, look even the silly niche villains like calendar man, king <laughs> i mean condiment king was in lego batman movie but like calendar <laughs> man could be a really interesting movie obviously like yeah. i would definitely say court of owls but we're getting that with uh 
um, uh, Pattinson's. Uh, but like, um, we haven't seen Deadshot other than that brief clip in the Suicide Squad. It, freaking Deathstroke, man! Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are there are so so many things that just the reason the MCU is is still working is because they're not worried about um, revisiting the same old properties. Look, if they really wanted to, they could have released an X-Men movie by now. If they really wanted to. Um, but they're being patient. If they really wanted to, they could have at least been in production, like post-production on a Fantastic Four movie by now. But guess yeah, what? Easily. They're, <laughs> they're willing to be patient. They're willing to to spend the time. They're willing to to not necessarily rush into things because they, guess what? They, they have a plan. They're taking much better advantage of the whole universe that they exist in. Um, okay. The three things that I want to see, see come in um, is I want to see the incredible Hulk get a little bit of payoff, specifically abomination and the leader. Um, they're both still alive and very active. I wonder if they will get paid off in she Hulk at all. Um, I wonder if we'll either see, uh, maybe Thunderbolts, like, maybe She-Hulk. Well, I, I was wondering if we if we get Thunderbolts, or I was wondering if we get uh, if we get Red Hulk in uh, in She-Hulk, and then uh, yeah. Thaddeus Ross, uh, and uh, and maybe the ending is Red Hulk and She-Hulk have to take down Abomination. Um, maybe I don't know, like or, or the leader, right? Bring you know either way, um, you know the leader and Red Hulk um, specifically are the I want payoffs for. Um, so um, I don't care if Betsy Ross comes back. I definitely don't care if Liv Tyler comes back as Betsy Ross. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see more. Um, I want to see more of the, um, they call it the blip consequences. Um, and I know that so far, definitely, I don't think WandaVision dabbled too much into that. A little bit, but not a little bit with the Monica Rambo stuff, but not necessarily a ton. It wasn't the focus, but, right. um, but, you know, with uh, Far From Home and, uh, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, both um, wrestling with what does a world like that look like? Uh, I'm 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 here for all of those conversations about what is a world that lost half of the popul half of the population for five years look like, and then all of a sudden they reappear. Um, and and the biggest thing of all is I I really want to see Nova, and I think that the time is to do it now. Um, just with the way that we see Thanos or hear Thanos decimate Xandar um, and Nova Corps being destroyed and all that. What a perfect time to introduce Nova. Say he was the one surviving member of Xandar and give him some motivation like that. Get, you know, and, and there's been years, five years between infinity war and Endgame. Um, man, you just, just introduce Nova and say he was off you know, training or he was off um, you know, tracking Thanos or tracking down some, some of the guards are peacekeeping a small corner of the universe that he was trying to survive on. And what a perfect setup for Nova that gosh, I want it. I want it so bad. Plus I think that'd just be like a really terrific character piece. Also like somebody yeah. who's lost literally, literally everything. Like the other characters have lost a lot, especially like Thor, yep. but imagine losing, you know, your entire race of people in your world. Like, yeah what that does to you so i think i'd be really interesting i'd be down for that yeah what about you what are those things do you uh, have anything that you're like i really wish they did this like i said i'm just here for the ride whatever they want to do they've knocked out of the park so far even we jest and talk about the word a dark world 
it, yeah. it's not even the worst movie I've ever seen. Like I'll still watch the movie right? once while. There's still some good clips in there, you know. Uh, it's not even the worst superhero movie I've ever seen. No. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to Shang-Chi and what that's going to entail. I love martial arts films. I mean, and he's Marvel's Bruce Lee uh, through and through. So that's going to be a, a terrific, uh, you know, an enjoy to watch, especially representation wise. Uh, we, we need a, we need an Asian superhero <laughs> that we can stand by. Uh, so yeah. that'd be, that'd be fantastic. Uh, yeah, and Fantastic Four, I'd love to see them do it right. I know they can. I know they're capable. And, you know, the the, the Gibbons, like, yeah, I'd love to see their interpretation of X-Men and how that's going to play out. Uh, I yeah. do like your, uh, your, your, your way of kind of unfolding that through the psych ward or some type of, like, facility. That would be really cool. Because um, X-Men has a really dark history um, as far as, like, the way it's written and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I totally... Those are the things I'm looking forward to. But, but most of all, just just Disney plus every series have been, they, they talked about, I can't wait to see she Hulk. I'm a huge, uh, she Hulk fan. I can't wait to see her break the fourth wall. I heard they're going to lean into some of that. So that'd be really great. Sure. Yeah. That'd be kind of fun, especially on some of the, the things that they can afford to, um, the thing they can afford to be a little bit more meta with, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, they have Deadpool, so <laughs> you know he's gonna be breaking the fourth wall. So, right, right, right. Well, with that in mind, let's move on to the spinoff. So, Joe, what is that one thing in pop culture that you really want to tell people to take a look at or to uh, to avoid? Yeah, I actually have uh, three. I'll just name them briefly. Uh, of course, the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like I said, I can't even tell people enough that I'm a huge Captain America fan. Uh, Invincible, Invincible might be one of the the best shows I've seen this year. Um, it really gripped me right away. Um, and then for, for a little bit of spice, uh, if you like anime, uh, make a little box nomad, um, is terrific. Uh, if you haven't seen the first season, the second season is as good, if not better. Uh, it's a really, uh, really awesome kind of sports anime, uh, that has like a lot of heart to it. So those are like the three sure. things they can have top of my head. Okay. Um, the thing that I want to talk about is uh, the Evil Within video games, um, awesome. and uh, it's because we talked about this quite extensively uh, last time. Uh, I love these games. Um, I played both of them very quickly, the Evil Within two very quickly and twice, um, because I wanted to get a bunch of all the collectibles um, and whatnot. So, um, man, it, I'm not a survival horror fan. Um, but I really love these games. Um, the first one has a very like Resident Evil 2 type of vibe to it with a little bit more of like a mental aspect of it. Uh, and um, like a little bit more like this is an actual reality. Um, and the second one has uh, I don't know, a different vibe because it's semi open world. Um, either way, these stories are terrific. Specifically, the second story is excellent, um, has a beautiful ending. Um, and uh, which that's the one thing about survival horror, right? Is like it's weird to describe them as beautiful, but they typically have some of the like most beautiful endings. Because <laughs> uh, they're they're meant to be you, cathartic, like they're you know well, I mean, like it, you've accomplished you know you've beaten right. the, the evil creature. It's, you've the, literally yeah. gone through hell. Now yeah. here's a glimpse <laughs> of heaven. So um, yeah, just just lots of great stuff in both these games. For, like I'm doing an, a disservice by trying to shorten it since we're already at two ten, but. Um, 
re- really, really, really loved both of these games. The original Evil Within um, is available on Xbox, or the first, I guess, not original. The first Evil Within is available on Xbox Game Pass, if you have that. Um, and the second one is not, but it's not that um, hard to find or terribly expensive. Um, I really, really, really loved both of these games. And oh, by the way, first Survival Horror, not that scary. Um, I would say less scary than the Resident Evil games, um, which, you know, Biohazard is freaking terrifying. Um, I would say, <laughs> you know, on par with like Resident Evil, let's say three. Um, not this, not, not terribly scary, but every now and then might, might do something. So, um, the Evil Within one and two, Xbox, PlayStation, PC, whatever. Really love those games. Yep. Directed so. by the great Shinji Mikami. Who, oh uh, yeah. Created Resident Evil, so. Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a wrap. Quick reminder that Soup Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast feed. If you're interested in uh, writing for sifpop.com, you want to get a question or you want to give us a question to explore during the B plot, get in contact with us uh, at writersroom at sifpop.com. You can, uh, that just email should be in the description of your episode. You can also get in contact with me via Twitter or letterboxd at Schweit Castle. And, uh, if you want to support the show, help out with some costs uh, that we pay for out of pocket, such as fees, equipment, and rentals, you can DM me on Twitter for, um, a, a way to get that, uh, that figured out. Um, and, uh, um, the best way you can help us is by giving the show a rating. So if you happen to use Apple podcasts, please consider uh, dropping a five-star review uh, or uh, frankly rate it, whatever you actually feel you like the show. If you want to give it three stars, give it three stars, but ratings are are much appreciated specifically if they're written. um, Love you eternally for, uh, for your, your reviews and stuff like that Uh, really helps out the show, but that's it. Uh, Where do you want to send people to, to check out your stuff, Joe? Yeah, you can come check me out on Instagram at the uh, the Star Spangled Avenger. Uh, I talk everything between video games, comic books, um, action figures. I'm just a huge nerd. Uh, if you know me, so <laughs> yeah. And uh, and Joe's Instagram handle will be in the episode des- episode description as well. I don't know why I sounded like Jerry from uh, Soulfish, <laughs> but, but his Instagram handle will be in the. Uh, description of your episode as well if you want to go uh, give them a follow uh, it's a pretty great one um, as somebody that doesn't use Instagram very much but um, <laughs> Joe is definitely a reason that I every now and then hop on so <laughs> Thank uh, you, yeah as always Joe it has been an absolute pre- pleasure having you on uh, really appreciate talking all the all the comics stuff with you <laughs> oh yeah anytime uh, well how about next month yep <laughs> Cool. Next month, same uh, location. <laughs> next month, we will talk about um, Spider-Man movies um, that are not um, MCU canon. So we'll go over the Maguire Spider-Mans, the Garfield Spider-Mans, and Venom and Into the Spider-Verse. Um, we will not cover Far From Home, Homecoming, Civil War, Infinity War, and get anything Tom Holland is in. So Garfield, Maguire, Venom, and... Um, into the Spider-Verse is what we'll be covering next month. Uh, but awesome. until then, there is always things to write. Therefore, we need to get back to the writer's room.